0: All right. Welcome everybody to episode number 51 of Sports Cards Live. Before we get into it, I want to thank last Saturday's guest, John Newman of Sports Card Nation and Hobby Hotline, and also Colin Murray, who joined me on After Hours late last Saturday night. Also want to thank this past Wednesday's guest for the anniversary episode number 50 of Sports Cards Live, Jordan Hagedorn, Brett Favre, super collector and NFL agent. Those were some awesome episodes last week, guys. Check them out. They all live on the YouTube channel. So, uh, And I know these are all long episodes. Bite them off bit by bit. YouTube will always remember where you left off. This coming Wednesday, Fractional Ownership Company Collectibles CEO Ezra Levine will be joining me. And that's a hot topic. A lot of people want to know how these things work. Be sure to join in to find out. Next Saturday, my guest will be Drew Herndon of the podcast called Let Me Get That Podograph. Drew's a really fun guy. That's going to be a fun episode. I'm really looking forward to it. I do want to welcome all new viewers to the show tonight. If you are visiting us tonight because you are a follower of Jake and you subscribe to his channel or you found out about it through Jake, I want to thank Jake for bringing new viewers to the show, and I welcome you. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. We are just past 1,100 subscribers, and I want to thank everyone who has subscribed so far. Stick around till the end. We will be doing the card of the day and the sports cards live five. And then tonight at 1030 p.m. Mountain, 1230 a.m. Eastern, we will be back live for after hours. My guest will be none other than Carlos from the hit YouTube series, Because I'm Carlos. All right. Tonight's guest, guys, tonight's guest started collecting at the age of eight years old when he would get free packs of 95, 96 hoops basketball at the local sporting goods store. A collector all the way through, in 2016, he got more serious with his Penny Hardaway collection, and he was one of the first people to dedicate his YouTube channel to basketball card content. In my mind, he is the go-to guy on the what is what for 90s basketball cards. He's a fan of the Orlando Magic, hailing from Springfield, Massachusetts, which is fitting as it's also the home to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Let's bring him out. He's already there. I never took him out in the first place. Jake Roy, you could have said something, buddy. Welcome uh, to episode 50. It's okay, man. That's <laughs> on me. That's on me totally. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. I I mixed it up a bit different tonight. I had something in front of me. I didn't even know you were there, buddy. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you for that wonderful, wonderful intro. Uh, Tough act to follow with Jordan. Love that episode. Love all your episodes. So uh, really happy to be part of the part of the group an illustrious group. So really happy to be here today.
0: (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And before we get into the to the first question tonight, um, I do want to uh, I I just have to explain what just happened there, because that's pretty funny. So I did not usually I have my notes written out on on a piece of cardstock and they sit kind of right in front of me. But tonight, I didn't. I just didn't have time to do it. So I literally put a Word document in front of my Chrome window so I couldn't see anything. And I thought I took you out before, and I didn't. So I'm talking, okay, let's bring him out. And there he is. oh, hey, you're already there. That was fun. That was funny. Okay, let's keep going. So listen, uh, thanks for joining, Jake. It's awesome to have you. You know, this is episode 51. We're starting, uh, you know, we got all the way up the hill to episode number 50. And we're going to start with you going all the way down to episode number 100. So thank you for that. It's great to have you, man. So listen, let's jump right in with the first question. You know, there, A lot of people are apprehensive right now to spend their money on opening wax at today's prices. They're just maybe perhaps not seeing the value. But why do you think people should spend more of their hobby budget on breaking wax? Can you convince us?
1: Hopefully. Uh, Yeah. So I think, you know, we've all seen wax prices go up and up on the secondary market and it's tough to get it at retail. Obviously, a lot of the wax that I open is 90 stuff that I've amassed over the years. But uh, the reason that I think that at least for you know me, I know that I talk a lot on my channel about ROI of breaking wax and a lot of times it's not there, but it's not just about opening a pack for $5 and pulling $10 worth of cards out. For me, there's the, what I call the experience cost of opening a pack of cards. Uh, Maybe it's a new product and you're getting a first look at whether it's some of the inserts or parallels or what have you. Uh, But also I think about it like in the terms of, if you go to the movies, Um, you know, you're not making money off of going to movies, you're spending money on entertainment. So it's kind of like some entertainment in my opinion. And it's so much fun. It's such a thrill to open a pack of cards, no matter how many cards are in there. And you don't know what that next card is. It's kind of, it gives you that little bit of a rush. You know, people talk about it like a lottery ticket, but it's different. Each card could be something special. It could be a new card for your PC or it could be a card that can get you that new card in your PC. Uh, so you never know. You know, it's kind of like Forrest Gump says. It's, you know, like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, so it's just a thrill. It's great entertainment. And it's just a lot of fun.
0: You know, fair enough, man. You know, like for me personally, I, I don't break a lot of wax. I just I just find like a lot of people do that. I'm better off maybe just buying the singles that I want. I call it kind of sharpshooting. I'm a sharpshooter. I'm a secondary market sharpshooter. Um, but, but I have to... I have to extend a a humongous thank you to all the people who do break wax and open up product because without them, those cards would not make it to the secondary market at all for all of us singles collectors to go find. And I've, I've also, I've often wondered like, should I feel a little bit guilty that I'm not contributing as much as maybe I could or should to the second to, to to supplying the secondary market from brand new products. I'm not sure where I land on that yet. Maybe some people have some ideas. Feel free to let us know what you think of that, but you know, It's, uh, it's something I've certainly considered. And it's nice to know, because we chatted and you, you said to me, you know, it's one thing that a lot of people aren't doing, but you actually think that it's something that we could be doing. And you, you, you call it the, the experience cost. And I've, I've heard it referred to before as the, uh, as the break, the, the, the the wax breaking tax. It's it's the tax that we pay to have that, to have the opportunity, to have the, the the privilege of opening up this product and seeing what's inside and that tax can be calculated as what you paid for that box minus what you can get for everything inside of it should you sell it or what you value everything Mm -hmm. that comes out of it as that's the tax you're paying but uh, you know there are going to be cases like you said where you're going to get something you really like or you're going to get something worth more than what you paid for the box and now Mm -hmm. it's like a negative tax you're actually you know now you're positive roi so yeah interesting stuff I'd like to hear some other people's takes on that. You know, again, obviously, people are opening the stuff because it's because cards are hitting the secondary market. But at today's prices, especially with basketball, you know, these boxes are coming out of the gate at, you know, instead of being one hundred and twenty five dollars, they're seven are seven hundred and twenty five dollars. What do you think of that? What do you think of of these new prices that we're seeing over the last year or two?
1: Yeah, I mean, the prices are getting to a point where it at times, even for me, uh, it gets hard for me to justify breaking some of it at least on the secondary market. Um, you know, I, I see a blaster box, you know, and I'm not going to name any specific sets, but you know, let's say it, this blaster box goes for 20 bucks and on the secondary market they're selling for 60, 70, 80 bucks. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's that's a tough pill to <laughs> swallow because when you rip it, um, is it $80 worth of entertainment even? Um, you know, that's that's a lot of entertainment. That's a lot of <laughs> movies. Uh, you know, so I try to put it in that context and it's sometimes tough for me to, uh, but at times I just, I have that itch, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I think we, we've got some people in the hobby that call me a degenerate pack ripper, which, you know, I'll, I'll wear that badge. <laughs> so sometimes I get that itch and I just want to open some packs. I know uh, sometimes they go to like Fairfield packs, which are definitely not the greatest products. Um, but they're
0: fun. Well, so. there's no doubt. There's no doubt that opening products, is fun. We, you, and it really comes down to the forest Gump thing. You just don't know what you're going to get till you get right. there. And really, you know, I mean, I've broken boxes where you don't get a card until the very last pack that you care about or, or that you feel is worth something. So you kind of, you kind of got to get through it. And, and if you get lucky, you, it's a great feeling. And if you don't, I mean, I've, I've left the LCS before, like, you know, years ago after, you know, opening, several packs of say upper decks the cup which you know three four or five hundred dollars a pack at the Mm -hmm. time and feeling like i didn't get much value for it uh and it's not a great feeling but at the same time i've had some pretty sweet hits as well over the years where you know from the cup and other products where i'm feeling pretty good about it so it's really just luck of the draw but i do think you know if you open up enough products i think over time you're going to uh you're going to get some stuff that's worth some money. That's for sure. And and even more importantly, if you're a collector, you're going to get some cards that you just love owning. So absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. And sometimes they're a kind of like a, a little nostalgic memory that you can kind of remember an experience, you know, almost like a, a nice bottle of wine or, you know, some of those other things that we enjoy with friends. Um, you know, that experience sometimes is that card is a reminder of.
0: And people are doing that now. They're creating nostalgia today in with uh, group breaks, and you know, but not just group breaks. Group breaks with personalities, people that you like that are hosting them. Right there, you are. We're creating memories. These people are are you're, you're being involved. You're creating these memories, and then down the road, you're gonna remember. Oh, I remember breaking 2020 Prism in so and so's breaker room, and you know, and these guys and that guy were in there. I mean, that, yep. that's kind of fun, right? We we're create. it's it's like I like to say these eventually we're in the good old days right these are the good old days but yeah. we just don't yeah. know it yet. so you don't you want to you want to really savor every moment and that's just a good a good way to approach life all right man now we got through the the opening jump ball question for the day let's uh welcome the viewers we have say hello to some people see what comments we got maybe we got some feedback on that on, on this topic right off the bat i want to welcome paul cashman as always mike from absolute great to see you. I like this one. I've never seen you before. Latrell Sprewell is the American Dream. Welcome Latrell Sprewell to the show. And uh yeah, I love 90s Beatball Cards Channel myself. One of the first I came across. Dave Jones, welcome to the show. Frankie, welcome. What's up guys? It's great to see you here, Frankie. Great to see you here. Brett Miles, good evening to you. Happy to have you and please chat away. Terry, good evening to you. Mike says, "Look at Jeremy in the overlays. Overlays gone wild." Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know soup it up a little bit in here guys and uh, you know even though I kind of stumbled a bit to get out to get started today uh we'll we'll, we'll work through the uh, we'll work through it here Simon my two favorite hobby content channels together love it wow that's a that's an awesome compliment thank you so much thank Simon you. and welcome to you Carlos is making fun of me best intro ever yeah okay hey I I, I tripped over myself but that's okay name welcome to the show. Mike, what an intro, the Michael Buffer of SCL. You know, again, I want to I wanna introduce my guests. It, it makes it more fun for me. It makes it more fun for you. Hopefully you, you liked the intro, Jake, did you? I loved it. I appreciate it. Good. Hey, we're getting comments from the viewers. So obviously they liked it too, or they're just feeling sorry for me for tripping over <laughs> myself. Mike says, wine. Jake, what vintage are we having tonight? What are you drinking tonight? Oh,
1: let me see. Uh, you know, I, I should have known. Uh, 2016, I believe it's a 2016 uh it's a french wine it's a new one for me i'm really enjoying it and it'll be a memory
0: now every time i have that wine there you go there you go matt 14 sophisticated sipping wine and talking cards nothing like it nothing like we bought two good evening all i predict a bloopers overlay in the near future i've had a couple thoughts like that i i I really have absolutely we don't uh, sorry i don't feel sophisticated enough for this show anymore (laughs) Here we go. Michael Webb says, "I'd rather buy the singles I want." And I think a lot of people do feel that way. By the way, welcome to the show, Michael. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. And Jake, you obviously buy singles. Like we all buy singles. If you're in the hobby, you're buying singles. You're probably not just cracking wax, right? So, Simon okay. says, "Props to all the degenerate pack rippers out there." If the pack flippers didn't triple the price of a box, yeah, that's a that's can be a bit of an issue, when, when that happens. Steve, welcome to the show. Jordan, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here on a Saturday. Frank says, I'll rip a box of Upper Deck Retro 11 times out of 10. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Some products, I mean, even I who don't, doesn't rip a lot of wax will buy it and rip it if I can find it. Like certain products just speak to you as a collector, right? Is there something to you, for you, Jake, that if you see it, you're like, oh, I got to buy it.
1: Yeah. Uh, UD Slam 2000, 2001.
0: Uh, not the
1: best known product, but something I can't get enough of. So if I see those packs, it's hard for me to say no.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool, man. Mike says, Simon says, props to use use Degenerates. (laughs) To rip or not to rip? That is the question, for sure. Michael says, Panini is hurting the hobby, I think, with all the parallels. That's another topic for another day, really. But, you know... I do hockey mostly Michael and uh, and I do basketball as well but hockey for the most part and I'm I've been digging the parallels lately if they not every one but the ones that I look at and I can't really take my eyes off them it's like that's a nice card sometimes you got to have it Simon says I come and go with opening boxes simply due to box prices I only have a certain budget to spend so for the most part I buy singles that way I can get what I want at the prices I want yep sharp shooting that's what I call it Colin Murray welcome back to the show Michael agrees. Chris Kent, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Anonymous Facebook user again. If I if I uh, if I can't see your name and you're on Facebook, look at the ticker right now. I'm putting it on there. Go to streamyard.com/slash/facebook. Click the big blue button. You only ever have to do that once, and uh, and then uh, Streamyard will be able to recognize your name on Facebook. So please do uh, go ahead and do that. Michael Webb, I've been waiting for this episode. Well, hey man, so have I. So again, great to have you. Ernie, welcome to the show. Jeff. Great to have you as always. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Here we go. Billy says, any insight on Luka Doncic or someone using his name allegedly selling autographs to his personal website? Beckett is turning away the autographs as being forgeries. Uh, nothing Nothing I'm aware of doesn't look like Jake's aware of that either, but I'm sure you can do some searches and find some people talking about it. Michael Webb, Jake is a good guest for the show. Thank you. Latrell says, do you think 97 PMG green cards out of 10 will continue to hold their value over time? Also, does condition matter to you on those cards? So, you know, it's it's a great question. I love the second part of that question the most is, uh, does condition matter to you on those cards? Jake, why don't you uh, speak to this?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of holding their value, uh, I think that's, you know, anyone's guess, but those, I think, with, you know, the PMG Green, which was the first live stream I ever did uh, for that Jordan, I think that has its place in history at this point. Uh, and that set is just, it's one of those that I think has established itself amongst collectors across all genres, whether it's different sports or different um, eras, that I think that those are pretty pretty strongholds. And uh, I know that I'm personally not as big of a fan as a lot of people on PMGs just because I I like the stuff that was nostalgic from when I was a kid. And you never saw those. So I (laughs) never even really knew what to look for uh, unless I had pulled one out of a pack, which I never did. Um, But in terms of condition, I don't think condition matters too much on those cards. Uh, You know, in hindsight, I had an opportunity to buy a Tarot brand in red. Uh, You know, this is probably three years ago for 50 bucks. And it had a pretty significant chip on the top, had a little bit of surface damage. In hindsight, looking at the pictures of that again, I probably should have pulled the trigger, you know, without even hesitating. Uh, because it's just so common. Uh, condition on those is is really subjective. If you get a six, that's about average. So I don't think condition matters. Obviously, if you're getting like a two or a three, you know, maybe that's going to take away a little bit. But we, I mean, that one that we saw for the Jordan was just authenticated, didn't even have a numeric grade, um, you know, so... Yeah, That's no. kind of my feeling.
0: yeah. my thanks for that, Jake. And, and I agree. I agree with you. I think that the, the value of the PMG Greens and the Reds, for that matter, the 97s, whether it's basketball or football too, I don't see their value uh, coming down anytime soon. Those cards have been strong since they were released and they've only ever gotten stronger. So I'm, I'm a believer in them. As for the second part of the question, does condition matter to you on those cards? That's a really good question. I spoke about this on an episode not too long ago. And it ties into the the PMG green that was purchased uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, I believe it was a, it was a PWCC eBay auction. It was purchased uh, by Nat Turner, who showed it on Instagram. So no secrets there. And he was interviewed by Josh on Cardboard Chronicles, and he basically, you know, he he said like, "I just want the card. I, I just there's only ten of them. I have to own one copy. I know it's authentic. If somebody." You know, and he's like, he said, I can't see anything wrong with this. So to me, it's, it's a fine card, it's non altered. But I don't, th- I'm with you, Jake. Some cards, you just have to own them. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the condition is. And I, I also think that, you know, if a, let's say, let's say a, a, a PMG green Michael Jordan comes along again, uh, we know we just saw four of them all graded at the same time. Pretend that didn't happen. And let's say one comes to market and it's graded at PSA 5. Okay, and then let's say in a completely independent auction without that five ever selling, there was a PSA seven that sold that was listed for sale. I could see the five and the seven selling for the exact same price right now because you're never going to see them. And the people that want them will spend whatever it takes to get them. Mm -hmm. The grade is pretty much secondary. That's my thoughts on that. Sometimes you just want to own the card. Right. Yep. All right. Uh, Steve says hi to Jake. Dominic, good evening. Great show again for sure. Thank you so much. Mike says, hey, all, hit the thumbs up and like this video. If you like the overlays, subscribe to the channel. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you uh, you calling everyone out for that. And thanks, everyone who does like and subscribe and all those things. I greatly do appreciate it. Canner collects Better video hockey my way or come fly with me. Don't know what you're getting out there, but thank you for the comment. Much appreciated. Happy Saturday to you, Jordan. Mike says, do you see the PSA tweet with those Jordan greens? Yes, just mentioned that. And yes, we did. That is a sight to beholden for <laughs> sure. Frankie says, no, condition does not matter on the PMG greens. They are the mythical beast of the hobby. Greatly agree. How limited are the PMGs? They are not numbered, are they? They are numbered, uh, Mike. They are numbered to 100, but the greens are the first 10 and the reds are 11 through 100. So it's 10 greens, 90 reds from the from the 97 basketball football had slightly different numbering i believe the greens were out of 15 and the reds were from 16 through 150 so you have 15 and 135 for those awesome frankie said oh here we go we're getting all the explanations how limited are they yep, same thing all right thanks everybody for for jumping in there uh name says i mostly shot I- the secondary
1: jump in i'm sorry i just want to jump in real quickly uh, to the question that i just saw if uh are all are they numbered if you see one that doesn't have a number on them which i have seen pop- up um you know those might be faked or they could be backdoor copies be weary if you see a copy without a serial number on it they all should have a serial number on them
0: Great advice. And that's one of the reasons why Jake is on the show, because he knows what's going on when it comes to 90s basketball cards. And when I say that, and let's just talk about this now, because it's not like Jake can can look at a picture on a screen and tell you for sure if a card is is a counterfeit or not. That's not what I mean when I say he's the go to guy on the what is what with 90s basketball cards. What I mean is he knows pretty much every insert set that was ever made. He can I don't know for sure, but he'll know whether or not certain guys are in these sets he'll know like numbering he'll know he'll know that how what the parallels are of each thing like the guy knows his 90s basketball card so a great resource and again check out his channel he talks about these things all the time on there is that fair jake anything to add to that
1: that's fair and if i don't know it off the top of my head i know where i can find the information for you
0: oh so there's someone who knows more than you do out there of course uh,
1: if not if not a person there's
0: always the Beckett, right there you go we have references for sure for sure let's keep running through the comments here guys so name says i mostly shop the secondary market for the singles i want but i do open packs from time to time and will definitely not turn down wax as a gift right who would well name welcome to the show as always simon says i always preferred the metal pmg championship cards a lot more than the pmg reds and green i've heard people say that quite quite a bit they're i think they're both but the greens and the reds to me like because they're so those colors are so bold and shiny and bright they they pop they it's like is that a card what, what is that you know i think they're just so so cool i personally do anyway by, welcome back to the show. Brom says some of the nicest cards I've seen were the Flare Showcase cards. Thoughts on that, Jake? Can you speak to the Flare Showcase cards?
1: Oh yeah, I absolutely adore the Flare Showcase set. Um, I was when I started my channel, one of the things that was my top priority to get was ninety-seven, ninety-eight Flare Showcase for some of the memories, but also those cards just—they're elegant. Um, you know, it's like if you could think of like a nice black tie dinner, uh, I'd want to take that card with me there.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's the that's really well put, Jake. Uh, they they're they're classy looking cards, aren't they? With the with the nice script, the thin script, the nice foil colors that they have on the different uh, rows and that sort of thing. Really cool looking cards. Michael Webb, welcome back. Says as a as a Michael Jordan collector, do you think his Wizards cards will ever rise in value, Jake?
1: Yeah, so we're getting a little bit out of the 90s there, but uh, I don't think that his Wizards cards are as uh, sought after or collectible as the Bulls cards, just because, you know, his tenure there was not as storied. You know, he didn't make it to championship. And uh, it's kind of one of those, almost like seeing the twilight years of a player's career. Uh, I like some of his, I know there's some refractors and some bean team cards of him in his Wizards uniform that are really cool, but it feels like I'm just kind of looking at, you know, dreams of what could have been type of thing. Um, if you went back to the bulls.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm a personally, a relative, a relatively new collector of Michael Jordan cards, I E in the, for the last maybe two years or so. And, uh, and as someone who's new and coming in, I might, I might somewhat represent some of the newer people that are in, in that genre of the hobby. And for me, I am not interested in, in those cards for me. I don't remember him with the wizards. I certainly remember him with the bulls. I mean, I remember him playing for them, but I don't, it's, it, those aren't great memories, playing for the bulls and beat, you know, going up against uh, the Pistons and then the trailblazers and all these teams back in the late eighties, early nineties. That's what I remember though. That was that obviously those were his, his heyday years. So, and so because a guy like me isn't about to go buy any wizards cards, I have to think some other people won't as well, which will mean that they may not, they may maintain their value, but I don't think that they're going to do what the the bulls cards have done.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I always think of too, if I'm trying to, put it into context that make it simple. I watched both his last shot as a wizard and his last shot as a bull. And for 99% of the people, which one, if you watch both, do you remember his yeah. last shot with a wizard was a free throw against the Sixers. It was nothing special, but that bull's last shot. That was a special shot.
0: Sounds good. Okay, man, Alex wants to know which was the last year MJ signed cards for upper deck signed cards for upper deck. Cause he's an exclusive uh, he has an exclusive with Upper Deck. He's a spokesman mm-hmm. for them, so he still signs for them. Does he still sign cards or just memorabilia? I believe
1: he still signs cards. I think last year in the Goodwin Championship, there was some autographs of Jordan. I'm not positive they were on card or sticker. I know that the the Fleer Haynes cards, which were they're under the Upper Deck license because uh, they have the Fleer IP, those were all sticker autos. I have never seen one of those surface. There's supposed to be 10 of those. Um so I, I know he still signs cards for Upper Deck, but I don't know if they're on Carter sticker, if that's what you're getting at.
0: Yeah, I well, and Frankie just uh, jumped in and said he does still sign. You can get his, his Upper Deck Autos and Goodwin set. Not the best set in my opinion, but that's a set that has a whole bunch of different things in it. It's an art-driven sort of set. And I know I've had on the brand manager at Upper Deck uh, who really works on that set. He came on, uh, Tony Siriani with me about a month or so ago and, uh, and spoke to that set and uh, I, I've opened boxes of that here and there and it's actually a really fun rip as far as because you again you really don't know you never mind not knowing what player you're gonna you don't know what sport you're gonna get you don't know what yeah. what, what non-sport guy person you're gonna get and the, some of the uh some of the memorabilia or maybe not memorabilia but the relic pieces that they put in there are just off the wall like pieces of spaceships and you know real historical items greek coins that kind of thing you can get some really interesting things out of that product itself is a lp hockey cards also is a is a base jordan worth anything that's not a really specific enough question i don't know i know some based i mean the the first year exquisite base jordan i saw one sell for eight thousand dollars not too long ago jake what, what can you tell us generally speaking about base jordan cards
1: yeah i mean in in a general sense yeah, they're, everything's worth something, right? It depends on, you know, how much you're looking at. Uh, I know that a lot of times when people are asking me, is this worth anything? They're, they're asking if it's worth a significant amount or if it's worthy of, you know, putting on eBay. Uh, you know, and it really depends on the card. If you've got a, you know, a 91, 92 upper deck base card of Jordan, it's, you know, about a $5 card here or there. Uh, if it's raw, if it's a PSA 10, it's worth more. Uh, you know, but if, you, if you're looking at, you know, ultimate collection which was in the beginning of the 2000s if you're looking at a lot of those higher end sets those base cards are worth significantly more uh you know and then everything in between so yeah base cards are always worth something uh but those you know for example the flare showcase set that we were talking about for years since the set had come out that jordan base card was a ten dollar card recently we saw it jump up to 30 40 50 dollars, and it started settling back down to about 20 so you know that's really great looking set and that's a base card that's worth something but you know it's not hundreds of dollars
0: all right let's keep on going francisco wants to know jake what's your favorite 90s insert set
1: so uh if we're talking about design i've got two that uh it's kind of a tie so the one that i bounce between uh and i've got a jordan and a penny here so uh first we've got 1997 spx Hollow View heroes so not the rarest but i love the fact that these all have that die cut and the hologram and then uh this as opposed to the rest of the set the rest of the set is all on the horizontal plane this is the one card or the one set that's vertical so i love that because I, I think vertical cards just present better and the other one is ninety seven ninety eight 98 fleer ultra we got the uh, Star Power Supreme. Uh, so we got Ooh. the acetate. We got some hollow foil, all kinds of stuff, and some die cut there.
0: That's one of my favorites too. When I got into collecting, you know, '90s basketball cards about two and a half years ago or so, I I, I, I identified that card right away, and I I quickly found that there were three parallels for it. So I actually picked up the Michael Jordan Star Power Plus. And then I took Mm -hmm. it to the national with me last year and I thought, you know, I'm going to look for the Supreme because it's, it's, it's a much nicer card than the plus that one. You just showed much nicer than the plus, which is much nicer than the regular. So I took it with me thinking, Oh, I'll use it to trade towards the Supreme. I couldn't find one in the whole room. I I looked everywhere in that, in that, in the national for a a star power, Supreme Michael Jordan, and I could not find a single one in the room. So I believe they are truly rare. And I I have the plus, which I'm going to, Keep probably for as long as I need to until I can maybe one day find the Supreme, which those prices are just through the roof now anyway. So I might just right. have to be happy with my Star Power plus, and that Here's one another. day you'll get it. What's that? One day you'll get it. One day, hopefully. I mean, there's a few cards I might like more, but maybe not actually. You know, because a PMG Red, let's say, which there's one coming up for auction soon. I mean, I think you know, I think that's going to be well past, well, well outside of my means. So maybe the the Star Power Supreme is the one for me. Uh, If I'm going to go for a big one. Okay, let's keep going. Another similar question. This one's for you again, Jake. Uh, Latrell wants to know your top three favorite 90s basketball one of one cards. His are the 98 Gem Masters, the Apex 101, and any of the Flair Showcase masterpieces. How do you feel about this, uh, Jake?
1: Yeah, so I don't pay a lot of attention to one of ones just because they're so hard to find and they're they're pretty unattainable. Um, but you hit on some of my favorites there. I think the apex one of ones are gorgeous. Uh I think that when that set came out, it was it was definitely something that got overlooked. Uh I would definitely say the flare showcase masterpieces just because flare showcase is incredible. And the other one that I think is pretty cool is uh especially in the 9899 set is the masterpieces for ultra because they have that purple foil all over it i know uh grant had a scotty pippen and those just you know they pop having all purple all over it uh i know 97 98 they look a lot like the platinum medallion so they don't pop as much until you look at the back uh, but that 98.99 is really cool
0: you mentioned you just mentioned uh grant can you just tell the viewers who who grant is and where they might be able to see what cards he has in his collection
1: yeah, for sure. Grant Slayton, uh, absolutely incredible collector of, you know, a lot of rare 90s stuff. Uh, he's probably one of the bigger PMG collectors outside of Nat Turner. Uh, so I believe his Instagram handle is Waldorf cards and, uh, that's, you know, where you can see a lot of his, a lot of his collection. He's, he's always showing some incredible finds.
0: Yeah. I believe I, I follow him as well on Instagram and I do concur, uh, really some, some major head turners shown in, in that account. Waldorf what Waldorf cards is that what it is at, at Waldorf I cards think, I think so
1: I think it's at Waldorf cards Waldor, could be Waldorf wrong. stories rings a bell to me too Waldorf stories that. I think that's right
0: Waldor, Okay so anyway if, if you want to search out this guy on on Instagram just you know search for Wal, WALDORF and I'm sure he'll come up as a card account so check out grand stuff impressive for sure Michael Webb says uh Jake your penny hardaway collection do you try to collect them all or just the ones you like
1: Uh, so my, I'm a completionist at heart. I would love to have a copy of every single penny card, uh, NBA card with him as a magic player. Let me be a little bit specific to hone in, but I think, I, I think that there are some, that are just going to be very difficult for me to obtain, um, at least anytime in the relative future. So, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, as we're looking 10, 20 years out, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to collect as many as humanly possible. (laughs)
0: as many different copies we'll get into doubles yeah. a little bit later in, in the show talking about when that happens to to serious collectors like ourselves and and all of you out there um okay let's just roll through this one here simon says serial number jordan base can be worth a good amount and the base pmg and of course his early FLIR cards yes of course the early flare cards and i i like that you mentioned simon the the base pmg or just really the base metal universe cards they're still they're beautiful and it's art, you know, you can make the argument that that, that base Fleer metal uh, universe card, the one that the, the base of the green and the reds is nicer than the green and the reds because you got that same design, but they're super colorful. They're actually, they're, they're absolutely stunning to look at. I, I have one of those in my collection sort of as a placeholder, if you will, but it's not, it, it doesn't need to be a placeholder. That can, it's just a beautiful card as far as a, a base card goes. And there's a lot of talk lately about The base card bonanza, you know, people are going crazy for base cards. Some base cards are gorgeous. They are a little bit rarer than other base cards, and they can be worthy of a collection. So while I understand a lot of people kind of looking down on base cards in general, um, some, I think, are certainly uh, worthwhile to have in personal collections. Do you you have anything to say to that, Jake?
1: Yeah, well, so one thing that I love about the Jordan PMG, or the Jordan... Flear Metal is that design is the uh, mirror, if you will, of the Penny Hardaway. So uh, Arena Designs, the people who designed those cards uh, shared on Josh Cardboard Chronicles uh, channel when they did an interview that they had each player, the design that had the background, they had two players that had that same design. So Jordan and Penny share the same design. So if you like the Jordan, but it's a little bit out of your price range, look for the Penny.
0: Yeah, I noticed that there was just a penny that sold not too long. It was a PMG red that just sold on, I believe it was the red one last week or two. And I had that on my watch list. I was looking at it and it's like, you know, you want the card because of what it is, but I don't collect the player. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a penny fan, nothing against him. He's just, I'm not a penny fan. So it's like, ah, I'd rather keep that money because it was substantial money and put it towards players that I enjoy more. But yeah. I hear you. Latrell, con- Latrell confirms it's Waldorf stories on Instagram to follow this account that we were talking about. And Alex says to Jake, which are the best magic, sorry, Michael Jordan cards that you've pack pulled?
1: Uh, so I think probably the best one. Uh, there's two, actually. So one of them was the first episode I ever did on my channel. I opened a box of 98, 99 tops, and I pulled the round ball royalty refractor. Uh, and, uh, I actually gave that to my brother cause he, he helped me get that channel started and he did a lot of the background work for me and he's a Jordan collector. So, uh, you know, he has that, it's kind of something that, you know, he he'll never sell. So it's, you know, you could say it's both of ours, but it's, it's in his collection. Uh, and then the other one I actually have here with me is the, uh, 2009 2010 SP Game Used Dual Jersey of Jordan and LeBron. This one's numbered to 4.99. So this is one I pulled when I was in college, and I was just dumbstruck uh, when I when I got that. I couldn't believe I was holding it. So right, on, right
0: on. all right. Let's go to another comment from Frankie here, and then we're gonna switch topics. So he says, "Had Penny not gotten injured, he was going to be one of the best guards in the history of the league." Yeah, right. I mean, there's so many stories like that in sports about careers just cut a little bit short and who knows what could have come of, come of that okay guys we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit I want to I want to talk to Jake and sort of find out and for all, us all to hear you know as I said in the intro he's been he he's one of the first guys to dedicate his YouTube channel to basketball cards so I want to get into Jake sort of why what 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 started you off on YouTube and why did you decide to go exclusively on basketball cards
1: yeah so it was uh kind of a culmination of, of a lot of things at the right moment in time so to speak uh so some of the uh things that were factoring so i was i was watching a lot of gary Vee content he talked about you know kind of creating just content in general, whatever is the best medium for people. So I was thinking about what is something I could create content around, um, and then at the same time I was also starting to take, uh, as we talked about in the intro, uh, my penny collection a little bit more seriously. I was getting involved in Facebook groups first, a penny group, then a '90s group, and then you know started getting into more groups and such. And I was seeing a lot of people either coming back in or that were getting interested in '90s stuff that had a lot of questions. And it seemed like there were a lot of the same questions that were getting asked. Uh, you know, week after week, day after day, that I I knew the answers to. I was trying to help people out, answer those questions. Uh, but after a while, you know, answering the same question five, 10, 15 times, uh, I was thinking there's gonna be a better way. So I was again with that kind of Gary V in my head and my knowledge of of basketball cards, I said, you know, let's put out a YouTube channel. I think the cards lend themselves Well to video rather than voice. Uh, So I said, let's put out a YouTube channel and talk about this stuff, answer some of these questions. And then it also kind of gives me an excuse to uh, rip packs, which is something I love to do as well. Uh, You know, so really kind of trying to to fit that need that I saw people, you know, asking a lot of those questions. you know that, and then why basketball it was—it was my favorite sport. I played uh, basketball and football growing up, but basketball was, you know, just my love. I was built probably more for football, but uh, you know, can't knock the passion for basketball.
0: For sure, it's funny you mentioned Gary V. He—he's obviously a polarizing figure in this hobby right now. But what I—what I like about him, I, I mean, I, I just one of the things I like about Gary is that he's inspired a lot of content creators. You know, yourself. Dustin from the personal finance dad channel, who was my guest a couple of weeks ago, same thing. So without Gary, um, you know, recommending to people to get out there and put out content and just don't, don't worry about it. Just put it out. You know, you'll get better as time goes on, that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. People have taken him up on that advice. And because of it, I think the hobby's a better place in terms of, we have guys out there who are veteran collectors, lifelong collectors. They got the collector gene, just like, just like, you know, you, me, Dustin, and here we are. Producing content, having fun, you know, entertaining viewers and all that sort of thing. So, you know, that that's one thing that Gary did right, if you will. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong by that, but that's one thing he's done right was was um, inspiring people to get out there and, and produce content for the hobby. So, um, glad that you that you did that. Glad that Dustin did that. that. That's all. That's all good stuff. So, you know, from your perspective, um, you know, Jake, what are you, are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of more people coming into the hobby late, like like now versus a year ago? Obviously we all talk about it, but are what are you seeing? How how is that? I get I wanna really really I really want to get this question across to you, but how are you seeing this new boom in the hobby from your perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm seeing, I'm definitely seeing a lot more people get interested. You know, uh, a lot of eyebrows get raised when you see a card on the news that sells for $1.8 million. Uh, you know, it was reported on on my local news channel, uh, as well as a lot of other news channels across the, the nation uh, and across the globe. So, you know, I got hit up by a lot of friends that I've known that either, you know, may have been collecting as kids or, you know, got out of it or people who were just sports fans or, or what have you. Uh, I've seen a lot more interest, even if some of those people that hit me up, have no interest in getting cards in their own, right. Uh, it piques their interest to, to look into what's going on and maybe down the road, they will buy a pack or, you know, grab a card or something like that. Uh, but I'm definitely seeing a lot of new people, you know, I get DM, you know, very regularly people saying, Hey, I'm new to the hobby, you know, asking for advice, just saying they enjoy the content and it's helping them. Um, you know, so there's, It seems like every day there's new people coming in, uh, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, who knows how big the hobby can get, but it seems like it's, it's not slowing down anytime soon.
0: Yeah. The next thing I want to ask you about is kind of, you know, these people that, that are coming into the hobby and they might not know where to go. And if they're interested in in nineties basketball cards, that's your expertise, I want to know what you what you would say to those people. So think about that for one second. We're going to come back to it. A couple of comments I want to address before we do that. So Matt says, "Have you ever reached out to try and get Gary Vee on Sports Cards Live?" Truth be told, I have, but I don't think he's read my messages. I'm sure they just got buried in his inbox. Uh, Jay Bricks, hello, Jeremy. How was your day? Hey, thanks, Jay. It was my day was my day was good. Got a little bit away from me, but uh, it was good. I hope you had a great day too. Urban Tunes Music, welcome to the show and thank you so much. Simon says we need more hobby content creators like Jake. He has passion and sticks to it and is very knowledgeable and a true collector. Love it. Keep up the good, good work, mate. There you go, Simon. Uh, Thank Jake. You. That's, that's, that's really nice uh, comment there, Simon. And um, you know, it, when you have, when you have knowledgeable and knowledgeable collectors and true collectors producing content, that's where I gravitate my time to. That's why I, that's why I know Jake. That's why I reached out to Jake because. I've been watching his videos for quite some time and I agree with you, Simon. Uh, Love it. Keep up the good work. Jake, keep it up, man. You're doing a great job with your video. And I will say that Jake, you know, he, he, he's, he introduces his videos as the most passionate basketball card content on, on YouTube, if not the whole internet. And I got to say it's true because you can tell the, 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 the love and passion you put into your videos, Jake. So, do keep it up for sure. Paul says, I think content is a big difference between now and the 80s, 90s boom. I agree with that content and access to information, not, you know, all information sold, you know, like sold listings, um, comps, all that. There's so much more information now and even access to the to the players in the hobby. It's uh, it, it's much different now than it was back then. Bromf says, "Enjoying the show, guys. With basketball so hot, any love for those early mass-produced '90s base rookies like Dave Robinson, Sean Camp, Shaq, Alonzo? What do you, what can you tell us about about how the hobby right now, Jake, is um, is responding to those early '90s uh, cards that were mass produced?"
1: Yeah, so I I think that some of those cards, we saw a bit of an uptick. I think some of it was because some influencers or, you know, some content creators, whatever you call it, people that have a prominent footprint in the hobby were sharing some of them. So people started kind of being more aware of those. But I mean, that David Robinson is just a really cool card that, you know, everybody who collected in the, you know, the 80s and 90s recognizes, Uh, you know, it was short printed compared to cards at the time, but we know there's plenty of those there's just no shortage of them uh has got some great ones i mean that ninety two ninety three upper deck base is probably his most iconic uh not his most valuable necessarily uh i love uh sean kemp's fleer rookie incredible picture you know so there's there's stuff to love about all those cards uh you know some of its memories, some of it's uh just the aesthetics of them there, there's so much to love about a lot of those great guys
0: and we're seeing a run on a lot of cards like that like right back to the Ken Griffey Jr. 89 upper deck yep. rookie card, oh, the first upper deck card ever made sort of thing. I love the Shaq rookie. That's the triple exposure where he's going in for the the I think it's probably a dunk of some sort, yep. right? That that that's a be- and I love you, the David Robinson card too. I mean, I that card came out and then the second Robinson came out in in series 2 of of Hoops yep. and that made the first one even even more important uh because there was a there was now something that wasn't as important let's say so and i also agree with you on that sean kemp card because that was the first year of fleer that i think was really mass produced and that card with the yellow border i can picture it in my head in my mind right now that was that was an awesome card so yeah great stuff simon says shack rookie cards are booming at the moment yes they certainly are i've been watching those myself i collect shack sort of Uh, a little bit along with 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 MJ so I I do keep my eyes on on his cards evening to you Joe great to have you as always Jay glad to hear you had a good day that's always good to hear Michael says that the 90s say Jordan was the best this generation says LeBron is whose cards will be most desired in the years to come I mean there's there's the there's the million dollar question right there that everybody wants to know Um, you know it's one of those things, Jake. Everyone's got their own opinion, and it's and no one can say for sure because we can't see the future. But take a stab at it.
1: Yeah, I think it's so difficult. It's, I, I think Adam you know, touched on it a little bit. It's kind of comparing apples to oranges because the cards in those two eras are so different. I mean, there are no you know RPAs of Jordan. There never will be. Uh, you know, LeBron's got a few of them. You know. <laughs> And so uh you know comparing rookies is not something that you can compare there's never going to be another pmg green um to compare for lebron you know there are some things you can try to draw correlations so i don't think that you can really compare them side by side um i think both of them you know if i pull a card of jordan or a card of lebron from a pack i'm holding on to both of them you know um if i pull a card of both of them like the jersey card i showed i'm holding that for sure um you know, if I'm going to talk about the cards that I want in my collection, it's going to be the Jordan because I have more, you know, fond memories and nostalgia. But, you know, my wife is a Lakers fan. She loves that LeBron's on the Lakers and they're in the finals right now. So, uh, you know, it's fun that I can probably hold on to a card that she's going to have some sort of enjoyment of as well. So, um, you know, it, I hate to say it's a, it's a tie, but I, I think it's a tie for most people in the hobby. For myself, I would just go to the, the 90s because that's what I love.
0: Yeah, man, it's such, a, it's such a tough question. You know, I think I think that Michael Jordan is just more overall worldwide on a global scale, more legendary, more iconic than LeBron James. Take nothing away from LeBron James. I think where LeBron James outshines Michael Jordan is in his, um, really his personality and what he does outside the game. You know, he's he's in a tough spot just in terms of, politics and and other issues in the world right now but what what i love about lebron james is what he did with his his school that he's funded and putting all these people from akron ohio through you know basically getting them their education and really a a substantive effect impact on people's lives like uh me, immeasurable beyond immeasurable beyond words what the the influence and the, the change he has made to people's lives i i think he's a true hero uh lebron james um michael jordan is it was a true hero on the court you know he was as competitive the most competitive athlete i think we've ever seen and and a winner and a champion and he didn't put up with anything less than 100 percent from his teammate we saw that in in, in the uh The Last Dance documentary, you know, shed a lot of light on him for a lot of people. But I think that Michael Jordan is going to be is the bigger name worldwide. But as far as value of cards go in the long run, I'm going to take the unpopular opinion and say it's a tie because I can't pick one athlete that I think is better or more important to culture, to pop culture. And that's what drives a lot of value in the hobby is culture, right? And, you know, being out there. So, you know, LeBron has it in terms of what he does off the court. MJ had it on the court. A a lot of people would argue that LeBron has it in in both of those uh, criteria. But anyway, let's keep going. It's a tough one, right, Jake? That's just a tough tough thing to to, to address. Simon says that uh, high-grade Shaq rookies are still on fire. Beam Team Tops gold. Yep, for sure. Joe, I've been dipping into early 90s upper deck Kobe, hardcore MVP, low-end game use, aesthetically pleasing. Aesthetically pleasing is the key there, right? Because if you find it aesthetically pleasing, that ties into collect what you like. That's the, the hobby mantra, at least it should be. Simon says, if you think you have collected Jordan and LeBron, you will be fine. Yeah, I think if you've collected Jordan and LeBron, you'll be fine in the future. I definitely agree with that. Billy says, MJ is the GOAT of the NBA. LeBron will spend the rest of his life trying to be the GOAT. Maybe it will work for him in China a strong comment I mean I know you're going to get a lot a lot of people are going to disagree maybe take offense to that and that's one man's opinion um and that's what it is well we'll keep going Simon Jeremy I don't think what either player has done off the court should be a factor in goat debate or card values okay I agree in terms of goat debate but I completely disagree with you Simon in terms of card values card values are not only driven by what someone does on the court, on the ice, on the field and I know for better or for worse it just isn't and and if you don't if you don't think that well you have that right not to think it but that's just not reality unfortunately so but still great comment Simon greatly appreciate it those are my thoughts on that so back to what I wanted to get to earlier with you Jake somebody new is going to come into the hobby and they've already decided that 90s inserts for example are something that they want to focus on What do you say? What do you say to them? How do you coach them on entering in? Where do you point them? What do you point them to?
1: Yeah. So my first recommendation is go out and look, you know, do some window shopping, if you will. Look at stuff that's been listed on eBay. Look at content. There's a lot of it out there go and look and see what catches your eye. You know, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, what should I buy? What should I look at? And I'll kind of take them down the road of, okay, well, what do you like? You know, if you collect, let's say, modern basketball cards, uh, you know, what are the sets that you like the best? What do you like about those sets? Okay, if you like Prism, what do you like about Prism? Uh, Is it that they're shiny and you can get parallels and stuff like that, that takes you down the path of, tops finest and tops chrome if you like the photography maybe there's a different set that you like and that takes you down a different path you know so i'll figure out what they like currently about whatever it is that they may collect and if they don't collect at all i say go and immerse yourself to see what's out there before you buy a card uh you know in years past i would say go buy some packs uh but as we talked about at the beginning that gets a little bit cost prohibitive now so it's you know pretty difficult to go and buy uh packs and not already have a significant investment in the hobby and you might have really nothing to show for it and that might turn off a, a new collector so go and look uh do some window shopping it's just like if you're going to go buy a car you're not going to sit on a lot for five minutes and say "Ooh, that one what's the price and, and fork it over you're going to do some research you're going to go test drive some cars uh you know so that's kind of the same approach that i would have somebody who's new take
0: That that's really the best advice right there right jake i mean you have to do your due diligence you have to at least dip your feet into understanding what's out there. What are your options? Cause there are so many as Frankie points out right here, he says nineties collecting has so many entry points. It's incredibly fun to get into it. So I agree. It's incredibly fun to get into it. However, you still need to pick kind of what you think is, is, you know, first of all, what do you like? And, and also among what you like, what is important into the hobby as overall? And maybe you need to research what the hobby deems to be important because, you know, when you're spending money on cards, you kind of, you kind of, you know, ha, you know, half, half, you're wearing half a hat of collector. You're maybe wearing half a hat of investor. You're thinking about both, you know, anytime you're putting out oh, big money into a card, you kind of want to make sure you're buying something that you think you will, at least if you need to be able to get out of it for an amount that is not much less than what you paid for it. So, You know, it's important to understand what you like. It's also important to understand what the hobby in general considers important. So I'll tell a quick story on that, Jay, because it's right on point is when I first got into uh, 90s basketball cards, you know, I consider myself a veteran collector, so I kind of knew what to do. And what that entailed for me was I, I seeked out where I thought the most knowledgeable basketball people were. And that at the time happened to be blowout forums. And I went to blowout forums and I posted a thread and I basically said, what are the most important, I th- something like what are the 20 most important Michael Jordan inserts from the 1990s between, you know, a $1 dollar and a hundred dollars, whatever that range was. And I posed the question and I got all sorts of answers and I got all sorts of top 20 lists from people that I didn't know. And I then took those lists and I Google searched what are the most important inserts of the 90s or most important Jordan cards of the 90s? And I got a couple of lists there and then I cross-referenced them. I built a spreadsheet and I saw which ones showed up the most. And then I went and I looked at these cards and I looked at them. Do I like this card? If I like it, well, I'm going to, and it's on, you know, four of the five lists. That tells me that's a target of mine. If I don't like it, don't go after it, right? So that's kind of what I did. And I want to shout out like a couple of people who who I then called on specifically because at that time or a little bit after, I guess, I found the House of Jordans podcast with Chris, Christina, and Brian, and I was listening to it, and, uh, and then I somehow linked up with Chris on Instagram, and we were messaging. So I, 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 I considered him an expert, so I sent him some messages, and he kind of helped me a little bit. I met somebody else, just I don't even remember how I met them, maybe through a Facebook group, a guy named Jason, and he coached me a little bit. And then a really nice thing happened. <clears throat> excuse me, I got an unsolicited message on blowout from a gentleman named Rodman Martinez, who basically said, oh, hey, I saw your post. Welcome to the hobby. If you ever have any questions, let me know. Totally just the nicest guy out of the blue welcomed me. And, you know, I said, listen, I mean, I'm not new to the hobby. I've been in the hobby for 40 years, but I'm new to this. And, and you know, I knew enough to go to the guys that know more than I do. And I think that's sort of a a tip that I would give anybody is seek out the experts. Today is different than it was two years ago. Now you can go on YouTube, watch videos, watch Jake's videos, leave comments, ask questions. He'll reply. You know, you're gonna get information from many different places now, many more places today than you did two years ago. So, you know, that's kind of, that's my advice on on what to do if you're entering into 90s basketball cards, like, like J- where Jake is an expert, but if you're entering into any genre. Anything else you'd say to any of that, Jake?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's spot on. I, like you said, you know, I've been collecting since I've been eight years old, but, um, you know, I really hone in on the 90s. If I'm looking at stuff from, let's say, 2008, 2009, I really don't know uh, what I don't know there. So I'll reach out to folks like, you know, Kyle from the Wax Museum. Uh, You know, Chris, like you mentioned, is a wealth of knowledge. Josh from Cardboard Chronicles has helped me out with some questions like that with LeBron stuff. Uh, You know, so there's a lot of people out there. And, uh, you know, I think that that is one of the great things about the hobby is there's a lot of people who are able to help and willing to help. You know, there's a difference between being able and being willing. When those two come together, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And there's a lot of those folks in the hobby. 100%
0: 100% man for sure you, you know a lot a lot of people talk about staying in your lane right stay in your lane stay in your lane I'm talking about changing lanes here right I'm talking about going outside your comfort zone deciding you know what I'm interested in something other than the same thing I've been collecting for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years whatever it might be and if you're ever interested in in changing lanes or even lane lane hopping you know weaving in and out of different lanes don't feel bad about it. Do it. If you're interested in something else, you want to expand your collection, do it. There's all sorts of resources of people who will help you change that lane in a safe sort of manner as far as the hobby goes. So you're not going to go buy a card that you think is is all that and it's just not perhaps. So, okay, that's that, that was fun, man. Okay, I want to go back a couple comments here. Uh, Back on the last topic, Brett says that comparing uh, Jordan and McDavid, uh, Jordan and LeBron is like Gretzky and McDavid. Two different eras. Both will always be highly desirable. True. The card companies. And this is interesting. The card companies might dictate things a bit depending on where they create scarcity. That's where things can get interesting. So that's a great point right there, Brett, that, you know, the card companies have a big a big say in this today because they're creating they're they're manufacturing scarcity right off right off the printing lines right so um, how are you seeing that play out Jake as far as basketball cards go today versus where you're an expert in the 90s I mean the 90s you had scarcity uh, but now you have scarcity that's like natural because it's, it's already you know 25 years ago how does that compare to the scarcity that's being built into products today?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, really different. I I did an episode of uh, Wax Museum podcast with Kyle where I had done a little bit of research into some of the parallels that were made really early on this year with Zion. Uh, I think we're seeing with Panini, I know somebody was hitting on the parallels, we're seeing kind of like manufactured scarcity, I would say where uh you know you've got a lot of one of ones and you know one of fives and one of tens and stuff like that uh but if you're just looking at you know let's say prism for example if you're looking at a zion prism card with the picture on it and you've got all these different colors there's you know more versions of that than ever before uh whereas in the 90s you know with a for the most part you've got one maybe two parallels of a base card and then it's inserts which have very different designs you know we've showed some tonight we've talked about some uh you know so it's really the aesthetics that change uh significantly with the scarce stuff in the 90s whereas uh now the aesthetics stay pretty similar you're looking at different colors and and patterns and stuff like that so i think that's where the difference lies
0: yeah no i I think, think you're right yeah, if you add up all the print runs of all the parallels of the prisms now, whatever that number adds up to including the base for that matter which is unknown, you know, you're now entering territories that are that are higher than they were back back in the 90s most I shouldn't say most likely because I'm not sure, but at least that's something that you'd want to look into or, or consider. Um, Brett follows up and he says, "There's so many options. Don't be afraid of going down a road that maybe isn't the right one for you." It took me a lot of years to find my hobby path, and one thing I want to mention about that, and just in my in my opinion, is that the hobby is a it's a fluid sort of thing for you for us as collectors. We just because you decide you're only collecting Penny Hardaway and Orlando Magic jersey doesn't mean that's all you have to collect you can break your own rules you know budgetary concerns considered and again collecting what you like being being a, a big factor uh i just want i just want to encourage people you know don't don't be so stuck in in, in your lane thinking it's a bad thing to change lanes if you think pokemon is cool you think there you think it's cool you think there might be value in the future don't feel like you can't dabble in it if you think hockey is a is a if, if, if never mind, if you think if you realize that hockey is the most <laughs> exciting sport in the world and you realize that the stars of the game are among the most talented athletes out there and you want to start dabbling in hockey, you know, ask me questions, shoot me a message. I'll be happy to help you out, ha- happy to help integrate you into the hockey genre within the hobby. I'm joking. I'm a hockey guy. But, I, you know, the, the fact is people are out there to help you. Don't be afraid to to try out other sports. Uh, you know, even non sports. If that's what if that's what gets you, you know, I, I've said I'm a cardboard guy. I'm I'm a cardboard guy. I love sports cards. I love cardboard. Um, so you know, if if I ever start dipping my toes into non sport, I, I won't be surprised at myself for doing that. I can I can see me doing that. So, but we'll yeah. see. Um. Okay, uh Frankie says some great looking sets with great player list and still a low entry point are the beam teams as an example. Yeah, the beam teams are pretty cool, and they have a they have a sort of a parallel version called the members only, I believe, which I don't know the difference, but I see them on eBay all the time. Frankie says also uh scoring king sets are also really good. So this is an interesting card, Jake. I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry I'm just doing a lot of talking right now, but let me just say That's one thing. That's right. So when I came in, every you know, not every everybody I heard people say scoring kings it's the first card you got to get if you're collecting Jordan I saw I heard Chris McGill say it on on the the House of Jordans podcast early on it's like that's the card that everyone remembers well I'll be honest I don't remember that card in the 90s and I was around in the 90s I just wasn't aware of that particular card so when I got in I looked at I thought Nah, not for me. I, I don't I don't get what all the what all the hype is about is what, what, what all the hype is for on this card. And I've only ever seen them on my computer screen or my phone. I've never held one in hand. So to me, it's one of those things where I understand that it's super important in the hobby, but I don't like it. I'm not saying I I don't hate it, I don't dislike it. It's just there's nicer cards out there for me. So I'm not gonna put my money into that particular card. And that's where collect what you like, overruled collect what everyone else likes for me, you know, or collect what the hobby thinks is important. I was like, I don't care if the hobby likes it. I don't, I'm not going to buy, I'm going to buy something else. Now, in hindsight, that card is like, I could have bought it for 750 bucks. Now it's worth seven grand. So I wish I liked it a bit more than I did, but (laughs) you know, just for that reason. So, all right, keep it on going here. Uh, Simon in reference to the last question I like Jake's approach and what he does on his channel he shows all the different insert sets at all the different price points and rarities. see and that's why Jake is a great resource because if you watch his the videos on his channel you're gonna get you're gonna get a nice well-rounded education on bass on 90s basketball cards and that's what I wanted to bring to to the audience of sports cards live and I, I realize we've got a lot of a lot of Jake's audience here today, too. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate you, Jake, for bringing them to Sports Cards Live. And I'd appreciate it all even more if you'd subscribe to the channel. But all that said, um, you know, Jake's channel is is a great curriculum of 90s uh, basketball cards. So I encourage everyone to check that out and just do a, do a, a, a 90s basketball cards and chill session over there on his YouTube channel. <laughs> All right. Brett says the whole process of discovery with those Jordan sounds fun. How much did you enjoy doing the research, Jeremy? Well, I couldn't I Brett, I wasn't my wife couldn't tear me away from my computer at that time. I was I was all over. I couldn't wait for people to post give me advice. I was I was just You know when you look at cards and you know exactly what you can scroll through on on eBay and you you can very quickly catch a card that you're like, "Oh, I got to see that card." But everything you know what you're scrolling through. When I started scrolling 90s basketball Jordan cards, I didn't know what I was looking at. So a couple I did, but I didn't for in general. I didn't know what I was looking at. I had to learn what all these were. Now when I'm scrolling, I feel like I know what they all are for the most part. You know, it's rare now that a card comes up. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that one before, but that's after two years. Simon says, and now Jeremy has a Jordan Jambalaya. I do. I, I, I realized that was an important card and I, and I went after it and, and not just important, but I love the damn thing. Like, it's just amazing to look at. I can just, do this for an hour with that card he's jumping right off frankie says you always need to have a few new a few lanes for collecting keeps things fun agreed in your opinion michael in your opinion which kobe cards are affordable investments jake i gotta take a break you take this question
1: (laughs) for sure so uh you know i actually just did a video on my top 10 kobe bryant uh, cards in my collection. And I talked about some of those cards that I think are worthy, if you will, of getting graded. And my definition of worthy of getting graded is very different than other people. Uh, but some of those things that I think are affordable, and, you know, that affordable is different to different people. Uh, I love some of the cards from 97, 98. I've actually got one right here, uh, the EX 2001. I think this is a gorgeous set, uh, a great brand uh the design is incredible it's his second year in the NBA I think it looks better than his rookie card um but obviously his rookie card holds a premium I think that's a really cool card 9798 flare showcase I love those base cards row three row two row one the row zero gets a little bit more pricey um you know so 9798's got a lot of great stuff 9697 being his rookie year you get uh into you know, some more pricey stuff, but you can still find rookies for pretty affordable prices. You know, his collector's choice rookie is definitely not the most heralded card, but if you want a rookie card and you want one that's affordable, I think that's a cool card Uh, picture of him when he was, he was almost looked like a baby compared to, you know, some of the pictures of him later in his career. Those are just a few.
0: There you have it, Michael. Hope that was helpful. And check out Jake's video that he referred to at the beginning there. Okay, so we've got some conversation happening here between, you know, uh, based on the comment that Brett made about um, McDavid Gretzky versus uh, LeBron Jordan, I believe. So I want to go through these because this does get interesting. So Billy says, you know, I'm not sure if McDavid is a fair comparison to LeBron, MJ LeBron versus Gretzky Lemieux. Not sure if the hype would be the same if MJ and LeBron played during the same era, era like Mario and Wayne did. This goes back and forth, but I want to just, um, first, I like this. Joe says, I break my own rules all the time. But I do I do want to point out this comment here um, that Simon said, he goes, you know, I agree. I feel the same way about Mike Trout. He hasn't won a thing but has the highest card ever sold. I don't get it. Okay, fair. A lot of it is built into you know potential is worth more than 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 championships. It seems like in a lot of cases, and that's that's the case there. I think, and that's what that's what Brett says here. You know, I think that McDavid has a lot of potential goat hype built into his prices. LeBron's trajectory seemed higher at the time. At the same time, sorry. And uh, Billy says, you know, uh, Trout has all the great stats, but unfortunately, like McDavid signed a long-term deal for an average team. Both of them could use a trade. Yeah, that would help their their hobby love, probably, for sure. Um, okay, Big Daddy Cool, welcome to the show, says, can someone explain why PSA or Beckett doesn't have a headquarters in Canada? They would be up to their eyeballs and submissions for the next 20 years. I can explain that it's simply uh inter- doing business internationally is not a, is not just a, a go ahead and do it things there's a lot of hoops to jump through is uh is one of the reasons if not the reason at this time okay so you know we've got a lot of new people coming to the hobby over the last several months especially during the pandemic jake what what are some of the things that you think we can do to kind of help retain some of these people who are trying out the hobby for the first time yeah
1: i think the biggest thing and we touched on it a little bit earlier is you know being a good hobbyist when people you know ask you a question uh try to point them in the right direction uh you know if you know the answer if you know somebody who might know the answer you know mm-hmm. if i'm on twitter for example and somebody uh, darren Ravel uh posted something uh about something that i knew a little bit about but i knew that kyle from wax museum uh was the expert in my opinion on it i linked him up so you know darren Ravel is a bigger profile than somebody but it doesn't matter the profile of the person um you know i i make a point if i get a dm if i get a comment i respond and you know sometimes we're getting the same questions you know is this 92.93 card worth anything um but it doesn't matter because I think that's how we foster and nurture new collectors or collectors that are just coming back uh, is engaging with them. I think that's the best part about the hobby is, you know, the friendships you develop uh, and just, it's a great tool to learn, Um, you know, and and I think that's the best thing that we can do. Uh, You know, there are some people who might not, want to be as helpful as other people um but i think you know i kind of a call to action to all knowledgeable and and tenured collectors help new collectors uh you know learn the ropes or you know point them gently in the right directions if you see them making mistakes um but also just kind of celebrate their wins you know sometimes uh them picking up a you know a let's say a card that you might find a little bit more mundane uh, might be the most exciting thing that they've seen in the hobby. And if we celebrate those wins along with them, uh, they're going to want to, you know, kind of continue their journey. And uh, you know, if I see a cool looking card, doesn't matter if it's a $5 card or a $500 card. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, cool card. Nice grab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I like what you said about celebrate the wins. A lot of the time, you know, you can be scrolling Facebook, Instagram, wherever, and you see, you're going by cards that you don't think are that impressive. So you don't, you don't double tap them with your, with your thumb to give that, that, uh, that collector a like, you know, to give them some, some um, affirmation that what they're collecting is, is, you know, other people appreciate it. I think people, you know, we're social animals, right? We like that kind of feedback. So, you know, take a second and, and like people's pictures, even if, even if they're cards that, you know, that you that aren't right up your alley, you know, they're still there, they're, they could be very important cards to those people. And, you know, it's just the nice thing to do. At the end of the day, it doesn't take a lot of extra time. I, I think that's a, that's one thing that I've tried to do more of. And the other thing is if someone asks you a question and I've been guilty of this, where you kind of assume that if they don't, if they're asking this question, well, what are they even doing here? You know, sort of thing, but you really have to, I, I think, and what I'm trying to do is step back and, um, help the, help people out, help people who are new into the hobby, help, help them out a bit more than you otherwise would. Don't just slough them off as being say a kid or, or a fly by night person or, or not worth your time. If you have the time, which hopefully you have some extra time, you know, take a second and, and treat them with respect. I think is really what I'm trying to say here. Treat even the new collectors with respect because we were all new at one point in our lives. Definitely. So Jake, you know, there's a lot of, um, there, there's a. Oh, actually, hold on. I want to do this comment first that Billy just put up. This is good. He says it would be interesting to in, it would be interesting to introduce new collectors to cards from various years and get their opinions on aesthetics, etc. But not mention the value and price. Remove the investment angle from new eyes that would be interesting just to see what, what do, what do people like, you know, removing that investment angle. Yeah. That, that's an interesting type of ex- like the, like the Pepsi challenge type of thing. Right. That's an interesting <laughs> right. sort of uh, experiment to, to do because you could take a card that sold for a million bucks and a card that sells for 25 bucks, put them beside each other and be like, which one do you like better? Chances are you're going to get votes on both of those. And the person who picks the $25 cards and like, Whoa, I had no idea that other car was worth a million bucks, but that's, that happens. That happens. Mm-hmm. There's there's thousands of examples of that. I'm there has to be. So anything For to sure. add to that at all, Jake?
1: Yeah, I think you could even do the same thing with graded slabs. I think Gary V put something out where he was uh showing people PSA, BGS, and SGC slabs and asking them, non-collectors, which one they like the look of better. Same card in each of them. And a lot of people gravitated towards the SGC slab. Now, we as hobbyists know that there's more than just the aesthetics that go behind slabs um, in in the grades. But uh, I think that that's, you know, that correlation definitely has parallels across a lot of different things in the hobby. Um, you know, and I I sometimes do that eye test with my wife and I'll ask her, "Oh, do you think this is a cool-looking card?" And sometimes she's like, "No, but not." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Good to know because a lot of people on the internet might disagree with her. Um, you know, but she's got a different eye because she's not in the hobby."
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. I I take all my uh, shipments to my office. That's where I get all my cards mailed. And uh, so I have a buddy at work who will, you know, I'll call, be like, I'll call him up. I'll be like, Nate, come on up. It's time. So he'll, he'll come up to my office and, uh, and he'll sit with me and I'll open up my, my, my mailers or my Com C shipment or whatever I'm opening up. And, uh, and I'll, I'll look out, I'll pass them to him one at a time. And he doesn't know what's worth what he, you know, he, but he appreciates that I'm into it and he thinks it's cool. And he'll be like, oh man. That's so cool. Like, that's, like, oh, man, that's so cool. And I look, I'm like, which one? Which one? He'll be like that. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a wicked card. And sometimes he'll be like, oh, man, that's so cool. will be like, really? You like that one? Oh, I don't like that one. Or, or you know, it's cool, but, well, wait, hold, hold on. These are my cards. Why would I have anything I don't like? I'll be like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not the coolest card in the stack sort of thing, you know? But it's nice when you can show your cards to a non-hobbyist and see their sort of genuine reaction. I show my wife the cards and she'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like she can appreciate these things too. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. Uh, Brett says, interesting approach. Uh, It's why I love player collecting. I get excited when I land a 20 cent base card that I need. That is the beauty of player collecting. Hey, I mean, you're a player collector, Jake. Do you have a lot of, do you want every 20 cent base card along with every $5,000 rare insert?
1: I do sometimes I want the 20 cent base card more because it'll uh, draw less scowls for my wife, <laughs> there you, um, go. you know, but there was a card that I was after for a while. It was the 99, 2000 Fleer tradition round ball collection. It was a retail exclusive parallel. That was one in every pack, not a very rare card. I could not find it for the longest. I finally got it, uh, you know, and that's maybe a $5 card, maybe $10 at the very most. I was very excited once I finally tracked that one down. Yeah. Um, you know, so it doesn't matter the the price sometimes.
0: And sometimes the longer that card has sat on your want list, the more you know, elusive and important it becomes to you, almost like an obsession, right? Like yeah. it, it might just be a, a three dollar card, but you haven't seen one in fifteen years. That makes that card extremely rare, rarer than one of than, than one of ones, because one of ones that get pulled these days, most of them make it out there into the yeah. into the public domain, one way or another, right? Uh, Facebook user that I don't know who you are right now. I probably know you. You say, I agree. Every collector has different budgets and interests. Collect what you like and appreciate what others like. I love that last part. Collect what you like and appreciate what others like and respect what they, respect them for what they like. Very well put. Very well put. Paul says, are there any inserts featured in other sports that aren't in the NBA releases? I find as a hockey fan, it happens a lot. Um, I'm not sure. I I don't have the, anything really off the top of my head that that, that pops in. How about you, Jake? Anything?
1: Uh, well, actually, I do have something in front of me. Um, so some something weird for a 90s basketball card collector, a modern football set uh, that I really gravitated towards the, the heroes in uh, Donruss this year. Uh, you know, so I've, I've got a goal to get the rainbow, so to speak, of Aaron Rodgers because I'm a Packers fan. Um, you know, I think those are really cool-looking cards. Kind of got that comic book theme like the net marvels head but it's also got some hollow foil on there uh so i got the base i got the gold and uh i got the blue i'm still trying to get the green uh which is number 299 so you know i think those are fun um you know i think that there's also i I constantly find 90s cards from whether it's hockey football or baseball that are really cool designs that are similar to basketball or completely different in some cases that i'm like Ooh, you know, and sometimes I have to kind of catch myself from, from switching too much. Cause I'm like, I need to stay focused on the stuff that I, you know, want to get in my collection. But, uh, you know, there's so many cool different inserts and in all the different sports. It's like, I I want to have
0: them all. <laughs> I know, man, like, like, you know, like Paul says it happened in hockey, it happens a lot. And we got lucky in hockey in the early 2010s when upper deck put out the FLIR retro set. And I collect that cards from that set pretty heavily i love a a ton of stuff in that product and um you know we didn't get our pmg greens and reds until 2012 the difference for our for the hockey pmgs in 2012 versus the basketball pmgs in 2012 was that hockey was licensed and it's the first time they were licensed whereas basketball they were unlicensed so really the 97s are the the more important ones but i i get the question like you see cards and you want them in your player you want your player or your sport that to, to, to offer those cards as well for sure uh simon says i buy graded cards from psa bgs and sgc for me it's all about which card looks best in each slab which is a different approach i prefer more uniformity even though i've started to to go through you know to add cards from all three companies into my collection for a while there i wanted uniformity i stuck to one but, uh, but I do like this approach pick, pick the holder that the card looks best in. Is this something that you've considered doing yourself, Jake?
1: Yeah, I definitely have, uh, you know, I've sent submissions. I don't grade a lot of cards. Uh, Last year, I had my first submission to BGS. This year, I had my first submission to PSA. I've bought cards that have already been graded, Uh, and I agree. There are some cards I just really want in a BGS holder. I like the look of BGS holders better. There's some cards that I think it makes more sense for me to have in a PSA holder. Uh, I do really like the SGC holders, and um, I had bid in one on uh, Penny, Uh, that was in an SGC holder and then the, the seller, you know, lost the card or or whatever. Um, so I haven't gotten SGC graded card in my collection yet. I'm still kind of salty about that one.
0: Okay, man, let's go to one more question here from Billy. He wants to know, what is your favorite nineties pack that you have opened so far?
1: Oh, um, I would say 97, 98 finest, um, you know, I love Flair Showcase. It's hard for me to not say Flair Showcase, but I've had some of my best hits uh, you know uh, in some packs from 97-98 Finest.
0: There you go. There you go, Billy. Bromf says, you know, and this is this is back to new collectors. If they get interested in the history of the sport, they'll naturally be interested in the players of the past and their contribution to the sport. I think that's re- uh, that that's an astute comment because the you know, we talk about the collector gene. But there's a there's a there's another level of collector and to me it, it's the historian you know you've' we're, it doesn't take much to be a collector these days you can you can be a you can, can i consider you a full-out collector if all you're collecting is 2020 panini prism 2020 upper deck series one hockey 2020 2020 tops baseball if you're collecting that to me you're a collector and if that's how you catch the bug and you now have that gene you know you, you it, it awoken the gene within you you're a full-out life or a collector but the next level is that historian level are you now gonna really become fascinated with a sport with a hobby go back in time and seek out the pioneers and and everybody that that laid the groundwork for the sport as it exists today that's that's when you i, I mean i don't know i don't know what you call that other than you know that next level of collector and that's something i just kind of thought of right now um does that and, and i ask for feedback does that make sense or am i kind of missing something there
1: uh, that definitely resonates with me. I think uh, you know there's there's all different kinds of avenues to collect, but when you really you know get past that entry level uh, and you really start to just you know when you start dreaming about cards, that,
0: that's when you know you've been bit completely by the bug. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. what is it what does it mean then, Jake, when you think about cards every minute you're awake? what What's that called? <laughs> i think we're obsessed (laughs) yeah obsessed like me for sure for sure uh joe says curious what jake thinks about the early fleer issues 86 87 and what he makes of their recent uptick what can you say about that jake being nice yeah i mean
1: i love them uh 86 87 fleer basketball absolutely all-time iconic set you know primarily because of the jordan but it's the first year that fleer who you know has had some of those cards that we can't get enough of in the 90s uh the first set that they had but i i look i actually as a kid wanted to collect the 88 89 set because there were a lot of rookies of players that i liked Horace grant Muggsy bogue some of those guys that not you know not hall of famers but guys i liked growing up um i like a lot of those cards uh from the olden you know the olden days if you will um now if we <laughs> look at it because it's just a different genre it's just i mean a different era uh the card stock feels different uh centering issues were prevalent uh so it, you're looking at very different stuff that makes those cards neat unique cool i mean miss miscuts some of those miscuts that i've seen on some of those 88, 89 stuff are just comical you got half of one card on one side and half of another one on another one um I think those are the things that make them cool, unique, and also uh, kind of to what we are just talking about, the history of it. I love looking at, you know, a player like Alex English and flipping it over and seeing his stats and then learning more about how great of a player he was. Uh, that's one of the things that I did as a kid, and that's how I learned about a lot of these, you know, greats that I never had a chance to watch. You know, I got a card of Wes Unseld, and looking at the card, I was like, this guy doesn't look like he could play. And I learned about him, I go, oh, wow that guy was a player, you know, that guy was a real good player. Uh, You know, that's the thing that I love about those older cards because you learn about different players that you didn't have a chance to watch.
0: It's funny, you mentioned some players that are in that 88-89 Fleer set, and you didn't even mention Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Chris Mullen, uh, John Stockton. I mean, we're talking legendary Hall of Famers there. Like, that that was a stacked set. Really, the only set that, you know, you got the 86 set, which speaks to itself, filled, chalk filled with Hall of Fame rookies. You got the eighty, the eighty-seven set, which really doesn't have any rookies. I mean, I think in the, in the day the Brad Doherty card or Dowtree, whatever his name was, that was like the the best card in that set. Thankfully, yep. now you got se- you got second-year cards of everybody from eighty-six. But then the eighty-eight set, again, a great set with a lot of wonderful uh, Hall of Fame rookie cards in there. So, and then you got into the the following year, which I think was like Kevin Johnson's rookie year. He was the big ticket that neck in the was that yep. that would have been the eighty-nine ninety, I, I guess, and. Uh, but again, that's kind of faded from from popularity nowadays. <laughs> yep. um, but Joe does have this follow-up question. So do you think they'll continue to rise at the same rate? Or are those sets just a little, and I like this, susceptible to collector boredom, notwithstanding the Jordan cards within. But I like how he says the collector boredom. And I think that's what you know people are scared about right now, considering all the love going to base cards and, and commodity cards, cards that are just out there, easy to get any day you want them. What do you think about this follow-up question, Jake?
1: Yeah, I think that's really a, a good question. If you're looking at something to retain the value, I think that's where the pop reports on those '80s cards come in. You know, really important. Uh, a lot of those cards, you know, if you're looking at '87, '88 Fleer, Jordan, a PSA 10 of that card, I don't know the pop count offhand, but it's not high. Uh, you know, relatively speaking, I think that those cards that are in good shape because the card stock was not as sturdy because the printing techniques were not the same so centering was an issue you got print dots on the surface you know the condition on those out of pack was not always great sometimes you get a whole pack that's just like you know duds for condition um i think that the highly you know good condition cards of those are are the ones that you know kind of will stand the test of time beyond boredom uh the raw ones definitely are very susceptible to that i think
0: Fair enough, man. Simon here says, you know, cards are the first thing I think about in the morning and the last thing I think about at night, which I, I hear you on that. Brett says, I check Twitter. I check Instagram. I check eBay. Rare does an hour go by that I don't scroll. Yeah, I'm with you. For me, it's more like rare does a, I don't know, 90 second period go by that I'm not scrolling something. <laughs> Simon here is, what are some of the, what are you some of Jake's thoughts on the star basketball sets in particular, the star 84 Jordan XRC, true rookie or not true rookie, Jake?
1: You know, I defer to some of my Jordan expert friends. I actually asked that episode, you know, that Frankie was with me. Uh, I asked him and, you know, I think that, you know, people like him and people like Chris that we've talked about are the people that, you know, really are deep in Jordan. Uh, a lot of those guys consider the XRC to be a true rookie. And, uh, you know, so I I go I go with what they think. I think that that's definitely, uh, if you're a Jordan collector, that's a, a must have.
0: Sure. I'm going to jump in on that, if you don't mind, Simon uh, and Jake. I, I believe the 86 Fleer is the rookie card. To me, the the star card is an XRC, um, you know, and that's been defined by Beckett for 35, 40 years already. Um, and the reason for that, to me, uh, yeah, true rookie hands down, says Frankie. And I know, I know, I listened to that. that By the way, that episode you did with Frankie is one of my favorite uh, episodes I've con- hobby content episodes I've consumed uh, in the last while. And um, one of the, fa- my favorite things that came out of there, we talked about this Jake. I hope you don't mind if I kind of run with it now, but one of the oh. favorite things that came out of that episode was you guys were talking about, and we'll get to this. If we have time, we'll get this a bit more, but the, the collector investor spectrum, you know, that scale of where you fall. And Frankie said, you know, I became an investor by consequence. And that is exactly what's happened to so many of us collectors who have, you know, been in the hobby for, our, you know, however long, 10, 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden these cards we have are worth money. That happened to me in 1988 when the first Beckett came out, and I all of a sudden my cards had monetary values attached to them. I felt like, "Whoa, all that the light went off that day. I remember, I vividly remember flipping through Beckett that day and thinking, "Wow, these cards are valuable. These cards are worth money." You know, And back then, I you know, when you're, when you're a mid teenager, money's, you know, not that easy to come by. So um, that was interesting. But now, you know, you look at it now and that the term investor as it applies to, to us is is truly, it, it truly does make sense. But anyway, I just wanted to to say we have become investors by consequence. If you hold cards of value that you you just have, but you know, we're also collectors for sure. But he says the true hands down to me, It you know, it wasn't, it was, it was issued in in team sets at arenas. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a hobby or a retail product. It wasn't something that was massly distributed across the whole United States. Um, you had to be at the right place at the right time to get it. So for that, for those reasons to me, it's not a true rookie card. However, I think it's as close to a rookie card as you can get without being one now because of the way the hobby is responding to it and the way that someone like Frankie feels is actually quite influential and in my opinion quite important to how the hobby should view it when the guys who are you know in it more than more than most people if they feel that way they're more qualified than say the than say the people at Beckett were 35 years ago to make that call i would i would argue so it's an interesting topic i've heard a lot of discussion about it i do enjoy it and we can certainly have our differing opinions on it and um and still all get along <laughs> that's for sure Okay, what does Michael say? I noticed the PSA pop report of an unopened 86 FLIR pack with the Jordan sticker showing is 16. How many do you think are actually still out there removed and case from the casing and opened are not removed? I'm going to say 143. Jake, you want to take a guess? <laughs> I mean, 222.
1: Guess.
0: There we go. <laughs> Impossible to answer, Michael, but really a good discussion point. That's for sure. Okay. We've talked a bit about, you know, Gary Vee has come up a bit. I do want to touch quickly, Jake, on social media influencers and the mainstream attention that the hobby has been getting lately. We've seen Gary Vee. We've got Kendrick Perkins showing his cards on Instagram. And, of course, what did LeBron James just say the other day?
1: Yeah, so LeBron, for those who missed it, said that he owns two copies of the card his rookie card his rpa that just sold for 1.8 million
0: so so even lebron james (laughs) is collecting his own cards and he he went on to i think he went on to say something like yeah i've got two of i got two of my rookie cards i'll be fine no matter what as meaning that he could always sell them if he needed the cash lebron come on who are you kidding you don't need the cash 1.8 doesn't make a dent (laughs) for you right but still it was funny to hear that it was cool to hear that right that he's he players are becoming more and more aware of them and uh what are your thoughts Jake on you know the the health of the hobby in the context of all this attention it's getting from social media influencers you know Gary Vee is the poster boy for it for better or for worse what are your thoughts on on that is are is that kind of attention good for the hobby or does it scare you at all
1: I, I get really excited whenever I see somebody with, you know, uh, a blue check next to their name showing off cards. I, I think it's a great thing for the hobby. I know, you know, I've seen uh, Lameen James have uh, quite a few memes kind of clowning on Kendrick Perkins because he said, if it doesn't have that PSA stamp, it's not legit. And we all, I mean, we've talked about other grading companies that are absolutely legit. Uh, you know, so I think that they're, you know, Gary V talks about you, you've got to educate yourself before you dive into the hobby. Um you know seeing Adam Lefco join in uh you know it's a lot of fun seeing what he's into uh i i think it's great and i think it's only going to help the hobby kind of gain more momentum uh you know and i i think uh it was on one of the cardboard chronicles episodes that uh, the guests had said uh they they look forward to the day that our our wives don't kind of uh, laugh at us for for what we collect you know so i think that the more more of those uh established names get into it uh the less that they they giggle when
0: we get a new card yeah no what do you think yeah makes that makes sense to me um some more talk about the jordan rookie card and you know basically tops wasn't tops wasn't making basketball cards from i think it's 81 through uh and you know through the 80s actually fleer didn't come around till 86 so there were no basketball cards 82 3 4 and 5 so that's pretty much why his rookie card appears in 86. And as Frankie kind of clarifies, dealers could order team sets directly from star at that time. Um, I do believe they're also issued in, in basketball at the basketball games uh, at the stadiums as well, is my understanding. That's I could right be wrong. On that. Yeah. Um, yes, it was. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm tossing tossing up between talking about your origin story or your collecting goal because we're kind of getting to that point where we got to start to think about the coming to an end here, and um, let's talk about your collecting goal. What you know, you've been in this hobby a long time. You you're a seasoned collector. What is your what is your goal overall? What's your your big goal in the hobby right now for you and your within your collection? Yeah,
1: so my my ultimate goal, you know, we talked about it. I'm a completionist when it comes to Penny. I want one copy of every Penny Hardaway card. But beyond just Penny Hardaway, I want a copy of every insert card from the 90s. Uh, you know, we're talking about the licensed brands, you know, Upper Deck Tops, Fleer, Skybox. Uh, you know, so if in those insert sets there's a Penny, I want to get the Penny. If there's not, uh, you know, I've got some side PC guys, Iverson and KG. I like to get theirs. Sometimes those guys, none of those guys are in there. Uh, you know, and, and I'll look for another guy, maybe Michael Finley, maybe Antonio McDice. you know, another guy that I'm interested in or that's just affordable. Um, you know, if I'm looking to get a PMG green at some point, uh, I don't know if I will be a- ever able to afford a Jordan. Um, <laughs> so that's probably out of the cards. Uh, I might need to get, you know, uh, Bryant Reeves. Who knows, Uh, you know, but that's that's a goal that I think will keep me collecting for a very long time. Uh, I think the one thing that's kind of outside of that is one of ones. Um, You know, maybe I'll get some of those masterpieces or some what uh, of those in my collection. But uh, that's definitely not something that really hone in on uh, just because they're so rare and they're so difficult to get.
0: I really love the uh you know the goal of kind of putting together somewhat of a museum of 90s inserts. Because the reason I think that's important, Jake, is because now you really do have the reference book on nineties inserts. If you get to that point where you have at least one card from each insert set, I mean, I called you the go-to guy on the what on the what is what. Well, I mean, that's gonna really solidify that because you know, and the to, to go along with that, it would be cool if you if you have the information on the pack odds on all those cards too. You know what? That That's a real interesting piece of information that could go, you know, really important. A lot of people are going to want to know that mm-hmm. people coming to the hobby, you know, it's like, what were the odds of pulling this card? Now you got to start searching the internet for that. There's some good threads on blowout that cover all that stuff. I've seen it in the basketball forum there, which is pretty awesome. But to be able to pair that with a copy of the card, so you actually know what it is you're looking at, that's uh that's pretty cool. Brett says completionist. nice. Do you have a master want list or do you know how many penny cards are out there? And and to to add on, do you know how many penny cards are out there? But do you know how many different insert sets were created in the 90s? You know, so, off the top of my question? head, I
1: yeah, on the top of my head, I don't know the exact number. Uh the reference point that I use is the trading card DB. Uh, so you can go in there, you can look at a certain player and they'll give you a list. Uh, they do include, you know, oddball sets and, you know, stuff that's unlicensed and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I go through there a lot. I use that as kind of my checklist. I, at one point tried to kind of get a, a an all encompassing spreadsheet together. It was just a daunting task for me to try to do, uh, you know, with two kids, it's uh, time is at a premium. So if I can spend time looking at four new cards or, you know, figuring out what new card I want, uh, you know, I, I'm i not as good as I would like to be at looking at a card and saying, oh, I definitely got that because I can't tell you how many times my brother says, you just got a copy of this card. Why do you have another one? It's like, yeah, I forgot. And I got a second copy and he'll laugh at me. <laughs> so, um, Let, yeah.
0: I was just saying, let's talk about doubles. For doubles management, as I was calling it, you know, we sometimes... You know, some people collect more than one copy of a card. Some people pick up a second copy by accident. Um, When you collect, you know, I know if you, a lot of people will say they collect, um, say they collect Penny Hardaway, but they also collect 1997 Fleer Metal Universe. So can you have one Penny Hardaway base card or would you need one for your Penny Hardaway collection and a second copy for your set collection?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm content with just having one copy. Um, I, in my prioritization of my collection, my penny Hardaway collection reigns supreme. Um, So if I get a copy of a penny Hardaway card, it goes in the penny collection. And then if I get a copy that's not the penny Hardaway and not one that either has a penny counterpoint or that I don't have yet, that goes in the insert collection, if you will. Um, you know, so that's kind of how I delineate now, you know, to the point uh, of me having other players, there are plenty of times that I say, uh, you know, I got the penny and now, Ooh, that Iverson looks nice too. And now I want the Iverson too. And then it's like, okay, well, um, you know, do I talk myself off the ledge or, you know, do I kind of give into that, that urge? Uh, I give into the urge more often than I'd like sometimes.
0: <laughs> it's, it's always nice to, to pair up a card with another card, right? Especially if you have another player that you can, you know, reasonably love having in, in your collection. So, you know, it's, uh, it's gotta be tough too, especially with a goal like yours. Cause you're looking allocating your hobby budget. It's like, do I buy an Allen Iverson card? Cause it'll go nice with a penny. Or do I buy that penny card from that other set first? Because I got to get the penny cards. Uh, you know, I got to put more dents in, in strike more cards off that list. So it's, uh, Interesting way. We all approach these things differently. And that's kind of what, what keeps it fun. What do you think about hoarding? And I don't, I'm not talking about hoarding, you know, Luca Prisms or Zions. I'm talking about hoarding like older, rarer cards. Do you are you aware of, of a lot of people doing that? And uh and what what are your thoughts in general on that?
1: Yeah, I know it definitely happens and it happens for different reasons. Um, it's not something that I want to do. Sometimes I accidentally do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know i i have like a group chat with a a bunch of other penny collectors and i'm in a facebook group with penny collectors uh and actually one of my one of my goals before the national this year which didn't end up taking place was i was going through my penny collection grabbing a bunch of those doubles that i had and i was going to do a little sale because you know i'd like to give them to another penny collector that might you know whatever their goals are might not have that card yet or might want another copy or whatever the case may be um you know in a lot of cards when I was a kid, I didn't protect as well as I wish I had. Uh, so, you know, they've got dinged up corners and all that kind of stuff. So I usually will keep that card, but I want one that's in, you know, relatively decent shape. I'm primarily a raw collector. Uh, you know, so in that sense, I don't mind having two or three copies of a card. Uh, as soon as it gets over two or three though, I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> that's just me. I I mean, there are some people that if there's a card that you love uh you know let's say the uh fleer metal universe of your favorite player let's say dennis rodman if you love that card and you want to have you know one of those nine card sheets full of them knock yourself out you know i can't fault you for it um i like seeing cards in the hands of more collectors uh you know sometimes if it's a rare card it's like oh geez you know 10 other collectors could really enjoy, you know, those 10 cards. But um, you know, who am I to tell people how to collect and what to do with their cards?
0: I hear you, man. I, do do you I hear you. No, nope. makes makes sense to me. And I was just interested in the perspective uh, in the in your perspective on that, because you see so many hordes on Instagram and, and Facebook, people showing their stacks of, of the same card or, you know, kind of doing a fan out and it's like a, a dozen of the same thing, whether it's modern or or, or older cards um it it definitely happens the one but like you said the the detriment to it the thing about it that isn't cool i guess is that it just keeps those out of the other out of other people's hands and you know a lot of people will go like if a car if there's five copies of a card made some people will try and chase down all five of those but now the person who's working on that set can't get that one card and it's a bit of it's sort of the, the a bit of the gamesmanship that happens or the gamesmanship the gamification of the hobby, that's uh, kind of not written or, or or formalized really, but it does occur. Let's have a look at some more comments here, guys. Um, and I, I want to thank Frankie for putting out a lot, of really, um, putting out some information on what the Jordan rookies are the or the the various different Jordan pre uh, pre rookies, I guess, or cards that some consider rookies, like um michael says the 85 nike jordan promo has become popular lately i heard it called his rookie promo i've never heard such a thing as a rookie promo and then you know here we go he says well pre-86 fleer cards are considered rookies or the ones that are considered rookies are the nike the interlake jewel sticker to name a few all of these are alternate release cards and the jewel sticker that's a crazy looking card i think it's an awesome looking card even you know once you get past the ooh, that's a weird looking card he's pretty <laughs> awesome the nike card and it's an it's kind of an oversized card but of a tall boy sort of card or at least shaped like that but maybe not actually that much bigger but the nike card that to me is not even a card it's like a postcard. it's it's not even the right dimension so to me that yeah. i don't like it at all but that that's just me again that's what makes us all different but frankie says they're all considered part of the rookie card list and that's kind of a, a new list i think that's I think it's a new list because I think for the longest time, people ex- accepted that the 86 Fleer was the rookie. And now we're seeing, among other definitions in the hobby, starting to crumble or starting to kind of evolve. This is one of them specifically as well that is changing as time goes by. So that's cool. Brian, welcome to the show. You're a little late tonight, but great to have you to my favorite YouTube 90s b guys. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Simon says, new collectors should invest in buying an older Beckett Plus from the late 80s, early 2000s. They list all the inserts, what series they were in, and the pack odds as well with pictures. So basically a a printed version of what Jake is building himself. Brett says, one for each collection, no sharesies. Yeah. (laughs) Seth says to the player collection, you can't have my card. No way. Frankie says, mostly for MJ collectors who delve a bit deeper, the Fleer remains the most iconic card in the hobby. Uh, that's so, I completely agree with that. The most iconic card in the whole hobby baseball, basketball, hockey, football, anything. That Michael Jordan rookie card is to me the most iconic of all. More than the 52 tops mantle, more than the Tito Nine, Honus Wagner, the Wayne Gretzky rookie, more than the Tom Brady, more than anything like that. Agree 100%. Okay. I like this. Joe says doubles management is totally a thing. I sometimes find myself buying a second copy because I find it at a better price. Dollar cost average down, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's tempting to do, right? It for sure is. Paul Cashman says, aren't the four Jordan PMGs greens that PSA just graded owned by the same owner? And yes, they are. That's pretty much been confirmed. I agree, Jake. Hoarding is a side effect of collecting. Most times it happens by accident, especially if you open wax. Definitely can be. Definitely can be for sure. Uh, name says, I have a hoard of Reggie Leach rookie cards. I have seven. Picked up a card, chose through trades. Also, a few young gun hoards. hoards. Not limited, so don't be mean. No, if you're hoarding a card that is, you know, that is a dollar card, I mean, by all means, do it. There's, you know, why not? Because it's not going to hurt anybody. That's for sure. Ao Rhino, welcome. Welcome to the show. What is up? We are coming up on an hour 45 here and we got about 15 minutes left to wind down. So we're going to rush through these last comments here. But thank you for joining. You say 90s inserts. I love the flare wave of the futures. Jake, are those good cards?
1: So that's an interesting set because those are really cool cards The checklist on that is lackluster to say the least. Those are from 97 98, so they could have a good checklist. Uh, they were all rookies, but they didn't have any of the top rookies, so no Duncan, no Keith Van Horn. I think the best player you can debate is either God Sham God or maybe Austin Crozier, you know. So, really cool looking cards, but um, you know, not uh, not the star power.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of too bad when that happens, right? You got beautiful, beautiful cards, but players that you know many people just don't want absolute Mike says, great show. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to this great hobby content channel. Mike, thanks a lot, man. I I always appreciate when you post that up there. Thank you so much. Appreciate the compliment. And I do appreciate everybody hitting the thumbs up, subscribing to the channel. It's greatly appreciated. And again, I want to let everybody know if you're new to the channel and thanks again to Jake for abdick. I do appreciate that bringing people here to watch you And then as a consequence, they get to watch me. And if you do like this, please do subscribe. And I recognize my episodes, the episodes of Sports Cards Live, they're long. They're like two hours minimum, but you can put them on the background. You can watch them in 15, 20 minute chunks here and there. You know, YouTube does remember where you left off and pick the ones you like. we got a great library of episodes in the archives on YouTube. This is episode number 51. And I've had, uh, you know, uh, along with Jake, 50 other great guests. So do check them out if you if you can make the time. And I know our time is all limited. And how much time, how many minutes and hours can you spend consuming hobby content? But if you want to spend 20 minutes a day on this channel, greatly appreciate it. Okay. With with that, Jake, um, I want to I do want to talk about serial numbers in basketball cards because you know, again, I'm a hockey guy, you know, first and foremost, basketball guy second. I know how it kind of works in hockey. Uh, can you skip? Just give us a rundown on how important are serial numbers to basketball collectors and specifically special serial numbers within a run.
1: Yeah, I think that, especially for the 90s, serial numbered cards reign supreme. And there are definitely some that are more sought after than than others. And I always think of three. And in some cases, you know, it ends up being two like penny uh you've got the first so number one out of whatever the print run is and then you get the last so let's say it's out of 100 the 100 out of 100 and then you've got the jersey numbered are kind of the three big ones and i think the jersey numbered one definitely holds the biggest premium uh and you know like i said for penny he wears number one so that culminates with both the jersey number and the first print run so when the one of whatever it may be pops up for penny the collectors go crazy for those um and you know I have bought uh, there's actually a row zero flare showcase of Horace grant that I bought specifically because it's number 1000 out of 1000 uh, and mm-hmm. I thought that was just really cool. Yeah so I love getting cards that are close to or at the end of the print run or the beginning of the print run Jersey number I usually just can't get because they're you know once they get bought by a player collector, they're locked away. Um, but those are the those are the three ser numbers that every 90s collector really wants uh, in their collection. So um, you know those those reign supreme for sure for '90s collectors.
0: Would you say that uh, a like I'm trying to make a comparison in my head between serial numbered cards and cards with like patches on them and and memorabilia? Like, is it more is it more important to have a cool serial number in basketball than it is say a a, a, a mem swatch with say two or three colors? Or is this not even comparable?
1: Yeah, so I mean, in the '90s, uh, there are not many multicolored patches. Uh, Upper Deck, when they started jersey cards in '97, didn't actually put thought to making specific patches. They didn't. They didn't realize that that was going to be something collectors would seek out. So when you do find those. They definitely hold a premium uh, for those Jersey swatches, but they aren't easy to find. And uh, you know, it's really hard to know how many there are and you know, how many colors and what the best one is. It's, you know, you kind of just have to wait till they pop. Uh, a lot of pennies because there's pinstripes in the, the Magic Jersey have two colors, which is nice. Uh, so you've at least got that baseline. Uh, it wasn't really until I think 99, 2000s when they first really started to set aside the patch cards, you know, make lower serial numbers on those and make those more exclusive because they recognize that collectors like them, but there were a couple of years and, you know, for the majority of the nineties, you didn't have Jersey cards at all. Uh, so that's why people gravitated towards the serial number cards. You definitely have some collectors though, because they are so hard to find that when you know, when they can uh find somebody who has those, they will <laughs> do everything they can to get those those multicolored patches. But it's just um, you know, it wasn't as prevalent in the nineties as, you know, now, uh it, you know, it's it's a lot easier to find jersey cards and trying to get an upgraded patch is definitely something that people like to do now. Uh but not not then.
0: Yeah, no, I, I have I, you know, in hockey we have a brand called SP Authentic, and it's where one of the best rookie cards comes out each year. It's it's hard signed, autograph, serially numbered out of nine ninety nine. I always am much more impressed when you find a serially number like a jersey numbered card from a print run of nine hundred ninety nine versus a print run of say a hundred or fifty or something like that. Right? Those are to me is a like if you can find the jersey numbered SP Authentic rookie card, that's a pretty pretty impressive type of card with a really cool serial number in hockey i'm a pl- I player collect uh, dale howarchuk he's a hall of famer just passed away last month or the month before and um he's number 10 so jersey numbered cards of his are like every like how many products come out where there's 10 copies like lots right so yeah you have a 10 percent chance of hitting the the jersey numbered card there which is kind of funny but uh, it, it causes me to chase a lot of jersey numbered cards of his, where if, if he were number 47, it would be a lot easier to, to collect, right? <laughs> One of the, just a little intricacy of, of my collecting. Okay, we're going to run through some comments and we're going to do card of the day, Jake. So first of all, um, Facebook user whose name I can't tell says, I have to agree the eighty six clear is a true rookie card because it was pack-pulled. The star is and will continue to be considered as the XRC. So first of all, um, pack-pulled to me, a very important feature of a rookie card. So I agree with that. The second part, part though, says is and will con- is and will continue to be considered. That I'm not so sure about because things do evolve, including definitions in the hobby. So uh, I'm not saying it's gonna change, but you get enough people with enough influence to start to believe otherwise, and you know the 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 general the generally accepted definition could change for that. But I'll, we'll just leave that at that for now. Um, Simon says, I'm strictly a basketball collector, but I never miss an episode of your show, Jeremy. I just love the hobby and good content. Thanks, Simon, man. really appreciate that. Thank you so much. For me, only Game War memorabilia has any value like on-card auto. So what he's saying is he likes an on-card auto versus a sticker auto. He likes Game War memorabilia better than photo shoot, which makes good sense to me. Oh, it's Rodman. That's who it is. Rodman. All right. I wish I knew that was you, buddy. Rodman was like the guy I talked about earlier who – Sent me an unsolicited message on below saying, welcome to the world of basketball cards, Jeremy. And uh, we've been we've been pals ever since. We met at the National. Very awesome. Thank you, Rodman. Great to have you here as well. Okay, Jake. We're going to do card of the day. And for card of the day, I do need to make everybody laugh at me by putting on an overlay that says PC card of the day. So, my card of the day. So, I do like my card of the day to tie into my guest of the evening and uh, I was going to go with one card. Jake, I don't have any penny cards, so I couldn't show a penny card, unfortunately, but Jake also collects a little bit of Vince Carter, and um, I have a couple of Vince Carter cards in my collection, two to be exact, and I showed one of them the other day because it just came in the mail last week, so I showed it last Saturday night on my After hour show, which will be coming on tonight in 37 minutes. Carlos will be joining me, a brand new broadcast, so you'll have to go back to the YouTube channel to join us for that, but I'm going to show a card that I bought back in November of 2019. And I bought it because, you know, it's what I think is Vince Carter's probably bet one of his best rookie cards in terms of it. it's somewhat rare, but it's also very heavily collected. And it's his 1998 Topps Chrome Refractor. And it's just like we were talking about it before, Jake and I, the, the picture is so Vince Carter, like he's just going in yeah. on a reverse A reverse dunk, like what a, that is just a classic picture. And the refractor is just, it's a beautiful card. It's in a PSA 10 holder and I picked it up, you know, at probably 0.1X of what it's selling for now. We never hear the 0.1X. It's always 10X this, 5X that. (laughs) probably pick it up for 0.1X of what it's going for now. So I'm very happy to have this card. Happy I got into it when I did. But, you know, I'm in Canada. I'm a Raptors fan. I've been a, you know, I've been a, a Raptors fan for I'm not going to be say like, Oh, I've been a Raptors fan my whole life or since they came around because I've obviously they're the team I've cheered for being Canadian, but I haven't paid that much attention to them until the last few years, to be honest. But Vince Carter was, you know, the, the greatest Raptor of all time. And, uh, and he challenged Michael Jordan quite a bit. So I got a lot of respect for this guy and what he could do. So great to have that card. That is my PC card of the day for Sports Cards Live episode number 51. And with that, Jake, we are now going to switch over to Sports Cards Live 5. I got five questions for you. It's not like it's not necessarily a speed round, but we got about 5 minutes for this. So, question number 1, Jake, what is the favorite card in your personal collection and can you show it?
1: Yes. So, yes to both. Uh so I have to I have to show two cards to show the one. So the the favorite card of mine is the Uh, the 93 PSA nine that I have, it doesn't matter the grade, uh, finest refractor rookie of penny. So trying to get that without the glare on there. there we go. Uh, so that's my favorite card. This is one that my brother actually got me, uh, you know, partially as a gift and partially as a trade, because this was one that I was searching for as a kid, you know, my entire, (laughs) my entire life, it felt like, uh, and the reason why I want to get it. And I specifically wanted in a PSA nine is... The first ever graded rookie card. There uh, actually, the second graded card that I ever got was a Christmas gift for my dad, which is the base. It was a PSA nine. This was uh, you can probably see on the back. This is one of the early, early PSA slabs. Uh, I will never take it out of here. So this card uh, holds a special place in my heart because uh, it was a gift for my dad, and because you know grading cards back in the '90s was something that you very rarely, if ever, saw. So getting that for my dad, having that memory, and then getting the refractor for my brother later on, uh, to kind of pair those two together is, uh, is why that's my favorite card.
0: Great cards, man. Great cards. And I, I'm, I'm showing you a little, I was, the screen was a little blurry for me when you showed it. Was that the card that I put on the thumbnail for the, for this episode? Yeah. that's, that's 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 awesome. Great card. Question number two, what is your highest priority want card that is actually attainable for you?
1: Uh, so that's tricky. Uh, so I think I would have to go with the ninety-eight, ninety-nine star quest gold or the four star, which is numbered to a hundred, uh, and, and attainable. I, they don't come up often cause there's only a hundred of them. Uh, I was offered one recently that was pretty badly damaged, uh, and trying to come up with a price on those is very difficult cause they don't sell often. And then, you know, you want one that's not in terrible shape. Uh, you know, so I could probably attain that through a trade. I, you know, I don't like throwing a lot of cash down on a card, um, but I definitely have some trade, uh, some trade ammo. Uh, and that's a set that I ripped tons of packs with with my dad and we never pulled a, a gold. And I've always wanted a gold and, and getting a penny would be that much more sweet.
0: Very cool. Question number three, Where where is your favorite place or what is your favorite place to buy cards?
1: Yeah, so um, my favorite place in all honesty is, is uh, going through a dollar bin uh, whether it's at a card show or at a a hobby shop, I love going through a, you know, a little dollar bin and finding some sort of a, a hidden gem. You know, I love the stories when I see somebody that goes through a dollar bin and finds, you know, that rare card, whether it's a good player or something for their PC. Uh, and I just love treasure hunting. So that's, that's my favorite. And, you know, when I can get back out to some card shows, that's where you'll find me.
0: awesome man i love that answer that, that that's great and you're looking for some hard to find cards and that's where they might be right so you got it you got to search high and low for them yep question four is if you could change one thing about the hobby jake what would it be
1: um make it so i can get wax for free to open on my channel <laughs> No, but definitely, uh, you know, more attainable wax. Uh, I love ripping it. I think that's fun. I also think that that's the way that we can, uh, attract, you know, new or, you know, young kids to the hobby, uh, at some point. So that's the one thing that I wish, uh, you know, we could kind of keep the wax prices reasonable.
0: Great, great answer there. And the last question, what's your biggest hobby purchase sale or regret? Sorry. Um, Your favorite hobby purchase or sale regret
1: yeah so um i would say my biggest and it's a regret on on some levels but it's a happy story on other levels so i recently had shared my best pack pulls so one of my best pack pulls uh last year if not my best ever was uh an optic rookie of luca that was a, the pink retail exclusive um that was numbered 25. So I ended up moving that. I didn't think that Luca cards would go up significantly during his second season. I was very wrong on that. <laughs> so uh, that card is, you know, probably 10 X probably isn't even enough. Uh, so, uh, that one I moved, uh, I got some great cards in my collection. I'm not mad. And the guy who got it is uh, a big Luca collector. and That's going to be tucked away in his collection forever. Uh, so it's, it's happy on that sense. Uh, but it, it would have been nice to have, uh, have been right on holding that card. <laughs> for
0: sure, man. For sure. Okay. Well, that's great. Now we are past the two hour mark. So we're now officially into overtime on sports cards live and we're going to wrap things up pretty quick here. We're going to go through the last of the comments. I want to remind everybody I'm coming back in half an hour with Carlos from the hit YouTube series. Because I'm Carlos, we will be on my after hours show. And uh, it's a we go for about an hour and it's just a nice, relaxing conversation. We will debrief a little bit of this episode with Jake, talk about kind of our favorite things that came out of this, among other things. So check it out if you are still awake, wherever you may be. Um, Here we go. I want to say, Michael says, I liked upper deck jersey cards better because on the way back, on the back, they told if the mem was shorts, shooting shirt, or jersey. Panini just says player worn. I think all the companies have gotten a lot more vague in recent years with what's embedded within their cards. Frankie says, that's an awesome overlay. I think that was for the card of the day. Thanks, Frankie. I made these overlays all by myself, guys, and I had a bunch of fun doing them, and I was it was a couple of late nights because you'd make it, you'd put it on, you'd see it was too high, too low. Took me a few tries on each of these, but I think we got them going. Ayo, that's my favorite Vince Carter card. Yeah, I love it too, man. It's awesome. Frankie, great Air Canada card. Thank you so much. Carter in a dunk pose as a Raptor. Go hand in hand. No doubt. Thank you, name. Much appreciated. Wow, Jake Penny was one of my favorite players growing up. He was so smooth, talented, and athletic. I copied a lot of his moves. I can just see you out there, name, pound, you know, hitting the rim with the with the with the balls. <laughs> oh boy! Paul Cashman says, "I like hearing the do- I like hearing the dollar bin. Definitely collect what you like and refreshing versus hearing about multiples for sure." Simon says, "Chris from House of Jordans bought the Luca. That's okay. We know who bought the Luca from you. Great show, guys. Thank you, Frankie." Mike, see you, see you Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate having you here. Simon, great to have you here tonight. All right, man. Jake, I mean, we've been through a lot tonight. We covered a lot of topics. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we we call it a night?
1: I think we, I think we hit on everything. Uh, you know, this was a lot of fun for me. I, I really appreciated uh, getting the chance to come on and, and chat with you and uh, share some of these stories. I love, I love sharing stories and sharing cards. It's uh, the fun part of the hobby for me.
0: Well, I appreciate that, man. It's nice to have you. And I mean, for you who runs your own channel, you do lives here and there. It, I hope it's kind of nice and relaxing to be on the other side and kind of let me run the show and you can kind of, you know, jump in and just speak your piece, and not worry about uh, about producing anything. Right. Just what was it more relaxing for you than usual? For,
1: like, <laughs> yeah, your- definitely. Yeah. It's, it's nice not to have to hit record and, you know, do all the all the editing and, you know. All the work. I mean, I know uh, Jordan talked about this and I definitely want to, you know, hammer it home. You definitely do the most prep and, you know, research and uh, what you do on this channel is nothing short of a labor of love. Um, I really appreciate not only being able to be a part of it, but being able to watch, uh, you know, the information that you have shared with us, you know, through having some incredible people in the hobby, uh, the value that you bring to the hobby, I, I really appreciate. Thank you.
0: I I appreciate that a ton, man. And um, thank you for saying it. I do appreciate it. And it's it's comments like that that really do keep me going and wanting to continue what uh, what I've been, you know, this project that was born out of the pandemic and uh, turned into what it is completely organically. I did not plan for it to turn into this show Uh, or to last this long so thanks I appreciate you I appreciate you appreciating it and um, I'll I'll keep going so we will wrap up with the final comments that are rolling in and then we will turn this off Jake I'll ask you to stay there and uh, and then everybody I will be back with Carlos in a uh, in 26 minutes so Brian says thanks Jake keep ripping Paul great show thank you Jake Brett Great show. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for your participation tonight. Brom says, thanks, guys. Great chat. Keep up the great content. Thank you, Brom. Thank you for showing up again. Carlos, who will be joining me shortly. Thanks for coming on, Jake. Great show. Thank you, Carlos. Michael Webb. I have enjoyed this. I've just subscribed. I do appreciate that, Michael. Thank you so much. I hope you tune in again. Terry, thanks, guys. I love the collector shows. I know you do, Terry, and I'm really enjoying them myself. They are are a lot of fun to do, to bring on these. I was calling them Collectors Perspectives at the beginning of the, when I started doing this and the and versus industry insider episodes. Now I'm just kind of naming the, who the guest is. And we're talking about all sorts of things, but thank you, Terry, Joe, Jeremy, we need to get you a little penny. I don't have a penny collection, but I probably should have one. It would really commemorate episode 51 for me. Definitely. Simon says, couldn't agree more, Terry. I love you, you guys are. Oh, I I see. I see. Eric, thanks, guys. See you in after hours. We will see you there. Brian says, no doubt Sports Cards Live is the smartest card show on YouTube. Wow. Thank you so much, guys. All right. That's the end of the comments. If any more roll in after this, I apologize for not addressing them uh, on the show. But everybody, I want to say thank you again for joining. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for your loyal viewership. Thank you to Jake for joining me. You were a great guest. And Jake, thank you for sharing that you were coming on with your audience. I know you have a big one, and I do appreciate that. And Hope, to, hope that some people from here uh, that, that are, you know, my subscribers found you. I'm going to run your information again. There it is, guys. Follow Jake on Instagram at 90s underscore underscore B-Ball underscore cards. And his YouTube channel is called 90s Bball cards right on the YouTube thumbnail. You can reference that again. So that's it, Jake. Thank you once more, one more time and everybody else. Good night. We'll see you shortly on After Hours.